My we, son one time was riding on one of those hobby horses at my at my in laws' house, who lived down in like like Utah County, Salem. Yeah. And they had yeah. like the home teachers over, and they <laughs> had like the Relief Society president over. We were having a barbecue in the backyard, and my he's probably three year old son. Relief Society has got this. Yeah, they're like super Mormon, and so he was riding this hobby horse, and he runs past the window, and he sees his reflection. And he looks in the reflection, and he's holding this horse out <laughs> in between his legs, and he looks at the window, and he looks back, and he goes, in front of everybody, hey, Mom, check this out. Looks like a penis and a scrotum. everybody to the Junction City Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Martinez. With me in the studio, in, in John's basement studio. <laughs> yep. To my left. I'm John Miles. Jason Allen. Colby Peterson. Shane Forster. On today's show, the Tax Force 5 for Utah. Uh, <laughs> not really sure where we're going with that. Uh, and then we'll talk <laughs> some more local music. Here with uh, our special guest, Jason Allen. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I've dreamed of this my entire life. (laughs) I've been listening to you guys since I was a little kid, and this is like a dream come true. This is our 79th show. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe not little kid, but maybe seven or eight years, yeah, you've been listening to us. Because we only do a show every six months. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jason, it's a pleasure having you here. We're going to talk some uh, who's on the scene now. Uh, for for Ogden, are we going to be talking like hip hop stuff too? Absolutely. Oh yes, I'm excited. We can for talk hip hop. Is there local hip hop? Oh yeah, yeah. I think no. yeah, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, I know. There's. I'll give you some names yeah. of some guys to check out. All right, there you go. See John. God. I actually do local hip hop. <laughs> we used to. Yeah, that's right. We did. John and I were that's in the hip hop right, group. Buddy. Actually, no way. We did. Yeah. No way. What was yeah. the name of the group? Two well, white we all, crew. We, no, we Two all had names. We all had names. No, we, <laughs> had, we all had names. We had. I was Abacus. I was Petus. And there, there was Daddy Pop. Daddy Pop. Ray, Daddy Ray, Pop yeah, Rex Dog. Yep. We had yeah, a crew, okay, okay, you guys. I'm sorry. Yes. Really quick. What, what was you, your name? Abacus. And what was your name? Petus. You Pe- sound like. Penis the little, with a cold. You sound like the little brother that wanted to be the cool brother. Or <laughs> I, wanted to call I pretty much was. Jason as the cool brother. Well, I was oh, I was okay. an engineering student at the time at Weber State, and so I was I was Just like studying engineering. Nerd. So I was like, and so I thought, what's the what's the coolest math word I could come up with? And I thought abacus. That yeah. sounds pretty cool. And so I went by abacus. I liked it. It was cool enough that nobody knew what an abacus was, so they just thought it yeah, was like was, a, yeah, I thought a, it was a name a, you made up. I thought it was like a, a mystical being, honestly. Yeah, it is. Kobe, what, no, would it's a thing. Your, what would be your hip-hop name? <laughs> so, I mean, I never had a hip-hop name, but when I was like 19, maybe I was like 17 or 18, we used to like, I used to ride the bus a lot and go to like the Stab Lab and like... The Stab Lab? <laughs> is that a gay strip club? Is, is that a, <laughs> stab Lab is your rep name? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Stab right Lab there. is Stab That's yeah. it. You just earned you guys, it. Sorry. You've you, guys got you guys don't know what the Stab Lab is? <laughs> is, that a, is, that a, is that a van? Is no. that a carpeted van? No, what is it? <laughs> you guys never... <laughs> 
No, man. No, so uh, we... we so you go to donate plasma and they, they pay you money. Oh. 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 Yeah, that was going to be my... That was going to be my Stab pinkies up thing. Oh. I thought it was a... Oh, man. I thought it was a bathhouse. <laughs> the bathhouses of the 90s. No, nah, man, and so... Lab. And, uh, we, you know, we, all the busters had... You had to go past 25th Street, so everyone had, like, a 25th Street name and... Mine was shoelace. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Shoelace. Shoelace. Yeah, Not as good as Stab Lab, but I'll take shoelace. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I can't believe you guys never heard of Stab Lab, man. I feel like a rap crew should be called Stab Lab. <laughs> stab Lab. <laughs> with, with Abacus and Petus yeah. and Shoelace. Man, that, shoelace. that would be good. Oh, We should probably talk about what what are we, what are we doing this um, last week, right? God, we were off last week, Shane. Yeah, where were we guys at? You we, guys what'd you do? Off. I we were working lava, double time. That's right. Drinking and eating. That's it. Where at? That's it. Lava Hot Springs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That sounds lame. Nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm glad Where were you, Dan? I like the... <laughs> what did he say? Glad you guys weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to harsh his buzz. Ouch. No, I was... Uh... I was donating plasma. That's where I went. So that's... You were at a stab lab. I was at a stab lab over the Memorial Day weekend. Um, I went to go do that thing, but they wouldn't take my blood. Yeah, because you're brown. Because I'm brown. <laughs> Just kidding. No. They were like, no, sorry, you got to leave here. No. What? I mean, um, sometimes, the, like, so, so every time you go through, they always screen you, right? And so, like, did you have, like, like past medications you took yes. or, like, some yes. blood problem? Yeah. And they were yeah. like, you have to go to the doctor to get uh, um, like a waiver. A waiver for it. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? I give blood all the time, and they nothing. don't use it though. You don't know if they use it. You just throw it away. Go <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, oh, this guy, old trash blood. <laughs> trash blood. We don't. Yeah. We, we want that pure blood. It's got to be like eighty-year-olds and older get Dan's blood. <laughs> trash, trash blood. Ironically enough, is Stab Lab's first album. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We did talk about having a Stab Lab band because there were like. When you go to the stab lab twice a week, like you get to know the guys who stick you, right? Yeah. Well, I hope you do. Get yeah, to you, sure, yeah. you get to know them real well. Yeah, you do. And uh like we would talk to the guys, the the phlebotomists, and be like, yo, we need to start a stab lab band, dude. And, like, yeah, we call we should call it Shark Bait and the Donators. <laughs> That's good. Never happened though. I like it. Yeah. Stab lab band. I use this stab this I use this time to always talk about something I've been watching, and I'm sorry for that. But when's the last time you guys watched Rambo: First Blood? Anybody? Uh, like never. About eight months ago. Never. I was gonna say wait, it was eh. ra- the first one, right? I yeah. Think it yeah. Still holds up. Oh, it's a good show. Except I'd say for, twenty years ago was the yeah, last time I saw. It. I hadn't seen it for really long, like a good twenty yeah. years. Watched it this week, and do you know what? Rambo would be the bad guy these days. Everyone would be against him. Oh yeah. He gets picked on by the cops, and then he gets them back. And you know what? Everybody would hate him now. Rambo, watch it. That's all I'm saying. Oh my God. <laughs> Boy, that was your it. homework for the week. Yeah, yeah, Great. Okay. <laughs> nice story, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> you know that you know they're making they just uh, greenlit Rambo right. last, last blood. blood. Yeah. Yeah, Rambo New Rambo isn't like old Rambo. No. No. Yeah, no, he's they, killing they, they, the be, minorities be, in the well, new Rambo. Yeah, but oh, don't, really? don't you think the yeah. guy's he's coming the back, wall? The guy's coming he's back from Nam related to Rambo, don't you think? I think oh, so, yeah. but I oh, also yeah. Like, but but they also tried to make him a cuz he was kind of an anti-hero in that in in Rambo First Blood. And uh-huh. then in the in the other ones they were like let's let's put these stripes on him yeah. and let's make let's make him an American hero and he'll go fight all these other people, you know, right? So, right. So I, yeah, I think he was they... a, originally supposed to commit suicide at the end of his. Well, first one. wasn't yes. the first one based on a book? Yeah, from Sylvester wrong? Stallone. 
No. Oh, no wait, that way. was Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Just Anyways, it doesn't matter. That's what I did. I watched Don't Rambo. Watch Rambo. Anyone else? What'd you guys do? Man. Colby, you're always about town. Come on. Yeah, seriously, dude. Yeah. You're always on social media. Where Weber. It's true, yeah. Weber wear Friday. Did you guys participate? Weber wear Friday. Did, no. did you wear purple on Fridays? No, I'm pretty I sure. I wore a Ute Red, man. Yeah, it's too bad. <clears throat> Ute uh, Red? I wore purple. I need to buy me some gear. Got my bachelor's. Yeah. I'll wear it every man. Friday. I'll get an alumni Wait, discount. you got your bachelor's and master's from? University of Utah. University of Utah? Yep. Oh. Engineering. Civil engineering. Wow. So you wear red on Fridays? Wait, you're a civil engineer and you're yeah. we're talking to you about music? It's weird, I know. What is this shit? He does lots of stuff. Yeah, so Jason's a man now? about town, dude. So I'm actually a, a marketing engineer, and I travel around Utah and Idaho, and actually around the country, and give You're trainings. A marketing? Yeah, it's weird. Dude, I feel like I talked to you like a year ago about your job, and it was a whole different thing. It usually is. I switch about every two to three years. I'm, I'm a right. millennial, man. That's what we all do. All right, that's cool. I, I can't. I can't. I think we're all millennials in here, aren't we? Well, What's up, Shane? Guys, step it up. Gen Stop. You a Gen Xer? Yeah. You guys got to switch jobs more often, man. <laughs> Nope. You'll I love switched, it. I switched yeah. jobs six months ago. Nice. So you got about a year and a half left before you <laughs> A year and a half. <laughs> I mean, the motivated people switch jobs. Like I, I switch, but it's all at the same you're place. All under, you're all underpaid. You exactly. got to keep moving. Since I got my master's Nobody's in, gonna pay in you just 2006, there. I've had seven, maybe eight different jobs since yeah. 2006. All pay raises? No. Oh, yeah, no. I'm no, like I, no, like I, I, I've always moved in my career. I've always moved for... Um, you know, it wasn't always about money for me. It was more about job satisfaction and mm. you know being at a place like right now. My job right now is people are like, oh, you've been there for three and a half years. When are you gonna leave? I'm like, well, I'm in a position where people listen to me, people respect me, and yeah, I'm making less money than I made at my last job as a consultant, but I I love what I do and the respect. And that's what I keep telling people when they're like, well, how do we how do we keep millennials? How do we get them to be motivated? And how do we well, you've got to find what motivates them. And unfortunately, a lot of times you can't just throw money at them. You've got to give them respect. You got to give, make them feel like they're 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 an an owner of the of the problems that they're solving and you know, you've got to, you've got to speak to their their job satisfaction there and I think that's true, but I think more companies should try throwing money at them just to see if I don't that think works. Yeah, that <laughs> might work. I mean, I don't it know. Yeah, call me crazy, but cuz I feel I like that a, might help. I think eventually you're like, "Man, I have so much responsibility right now and I'm not getting paid shit." Right. Like you know, and then mm -hmm. that's when you're like, "These guys are screwing me." Yeah. And yeah. then you move on. I think so. I know. I think that's it. I think that Gen X Kind of was used to what's happening to him, and then the millennials came around and were like, "Wait a minute, you're all getting screwed here. What What are yeah. you doing?" Well, I agree with that. Oh, well, that's interesting. I, I I don't have the balls to leave my job, but I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> they don't uh, listen to the show. Super yeah, no, sad. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> that's super sad. Yeah, I feel real bad. No, you shouldn't. I make we get make good money, so that's all yeah. right. Can't complain. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the thick of things here. So instead of uh, national, we're going to go with the, the state news going on today. Um, like I said at the top of the show, there are some tax reforms that are coming up. And the lawmakers here in Utah have unveiled the tax reform process and the town hall schedule. Kobe and I, or Kobe and I... <laughs> It's mostly Kobe. Mr. Kobe's Bryant. been talking about this Mr. for Bryant. weeks now, right, Kobe? I mean, a little bit, right? Uh, so if just kind of a recap for folks, what happened during the legislative session was Republicans decided that one of, you know, one of the big changes that they wanted to make in the state was to reform the tax code because they were missing a lot of sales tax revenue on services, you know, things like Uber and, you know, all right. kinds of like stuff. Lawn well, cutting service. And yeah. like uh, hair, barber, right? Barbers, hair stylist. Yeah, barber, yeah. yeah. And so they wanted a piece of that pie, obviously, because uh, they Plumbers, felt like- right? 
Sorry. Correct. Yep. Plumbers too, right? <laughs> Engineers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lawyers. Uh, yeah. People yeah. that provide services, right? That, that was the big thing. And so the state said, laser well. Laser tag. La- laser tag. <laughs> that is not. A, never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's not real. That's, <laughs> That's not, not real. real. And so they decided, all right, we're going we're gonna to put together this uh, tax reform bill that we're going to try and put out there. And, you know, Republicans, you know, having the supermajority in the state, if they can get enough of their people on board, they can give the finger to the Democrats because they can. And so uh, they tried getting it together and it just it just fell apart. Like it was clear that they weren't going to get the votes. So they said, well, we'll just wait until uh, later in the year and we'll hold a special session because last year the the voters gave the state legislature the power to call itself into session. They didn't used to have that. The governor used to have to call them. So for all you people that voted for that stupid move. (laughs) Um, Right. You got a bunch of state legislators who. Would love to get paid more, but how do we do it? We got to be in session more often. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to me, the the dangerous thing about that that amendment, constitutional amendment passing, was like I said, the con the the legislature can call themselves into session whenever they so choose, whereas before the governor had to do it. So there was, you know, some some somewhat of a regulation there. But so they tried passing tax um, this tax code reform. It, it wasn't there, and so they said, "Well, we're going to do it later." And so they've been trying to get these, you know craft this bill and put together this task force uh, and they want to get it done by the end of the year because they don't want to do it during the general session next year because it's an election year and Republicans are not going to want to touch tax reform, especially where as soon as the the legislative session ends, it's filing for uh, for elections for 2020. So basically, if you're pissed off about how tax reform went in the, in the regular legislative session, you can turn around and file paperwork to run for your representative seat and it's going to create a lot of primaries republicans don't want that so they're going to try and get it and they're saying they're going to do it in august this year is when the session will happen yeah but um but so they're trying to get it done so they don't have to deal with that and they put together this task force of folks that kind of ceremonially met on thursday and uh we'll put the article in the show notes from KUER, and it just talked about how they're going to be doing they're going to be doing these like town halls right. across the state uh, but it's pretty breakneck. Like they're doing them pretty fast. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the 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 first one is proposed at least town hall schedules, June twenty fifth in Brigham City. Uh, the one uh, then we move to like they go to Salt Lake, Richfield. They don't come here, Davis Weber County, until July eighth. This is all proposed scheduling. It's a Monday, July eighth. Um, they don't have uh, they didn't have anything though for. Venues though, Did yeah. You see venues? No, and that and that's what I was most interested in to see if they had nailed down space yet. But it seems like they haven't, so we'll have to keep everyone up to date on that's when. That's pretty quick to have happening. a turnaround to get like a place that's going to hold everybody with a month out. You know, yeah, for like Davis and Weber County. Yeah, because I mean, it, they're probably going to have to get an auditorium at one of the high schools. Do you hold. really think that many people will show up? Yeah, taxes for taxes, dude. Guys, you don't think? No, I, I don't know. I, don't. I, I, I mean, think I state politics. <laughs> I don't think so. Not, not here. <clears throat> Salt Lake, yes. Davis I, County I and Weber County. I don't no. know. I, 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 look. I've done event planning and management for years, and I, I just, I don't have any confidence that anybody would actually care enough to get off their couches and go. I, so I don't right, know. Like people show up for I, I Mitt Romney. Like Rob I really Bishop. hope I'm wrong. I really do because uh-huh. I, 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 I wish people would be more involved. And I, I think things would be a lot better if they were, but I, I don't know. I went to the one so that the House Minority uh, leadership put together a series of 
town halls in the last month yep. around the state and invited people to come and they explained what what some of the options were that they're looking at and I I attended for Weber County I don't know if any of you we talked about it on the show but and um, it was it was it was very it was no, good we didn't go. well, it was I had good, to work but, that night but again yeah. it was Shane, you know where were you at my my wife and I made up you know a, a majority a of the people of the... There. like like there were maybe there were right. maybe 20 people there and yeah. i think five of those were the house leadership <laughs> so so we you know but it was good it was good for me to educate myself and learn about it and and then see what the plan is and and speak out and and have some you know some say as to what is now obviously the the house minority leadership takes that in and the house minority leadership right now makes up what 20% yeah less of, than that you less. know what i mean so so the supermajority is 67%, so they're not going to be able to really do mm-hmm. much as a house minority. But they can give our comments back, and they said they were going to document them from the entire state and present them in this tax reform committee. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope people do come out and take an act because this is this is politics that actually affect us. We, we tend to get more, more involved emotionally in the national politics, even though it has very little bearing on us. Right. But state politics, just people. I don't. I was going to ask it's how many fine. how many people showed up to that District Eleven town hall about them uh, the messing with, with Prop Three. The one with Kelly Miles and Ann Milner is that yeah. that one? Yeah. Or was it Prop Four? We probably had. Because that was at the library, right? Yeah, yeah. We probably had like there was probably seventy or eighty people there. Oh, really? It was big. But but a big part of that is there were some special interest groups that were calling people, uh-huh. encouraging them to come. Right. The, the invites that went out were to Republican delegates. Right. Some people who were disappointed in the decisions that, that those particular legislators and state senators made um, to undo mm-hmm. Prop 2, Prop 3, and eventually will undo Prop 4. Yeah, eventually mm-hmm. it'll happen. They, they, there, were, there were quite a few people there, but a lot of them were there because Phone calls were made to say, hey, did you know they're having a town hall? You should come and, and voice your opinion if you were frustrated by how things went down. And so I think it spread really quick word of mouth to people who they didn't want there. Right. Because I I know when I walked in, uh, they were a little surprised. Like, <laughs> how'd you know about this uh-huh. kind of thing? You know what I mean? Like, because they, I mean, they both obviously knew me. Yep. Well, and I just and we I should... feel like that's one of those things that people don't think about about politics. It's like. A lot of people tell themselves, I don't really need to show up. You know, the Republicans have a super majority. Sure. Me showing up is not going to change anything. But at the same time, if you've ever seen the look on their face when you show up sort of oh, yeah. without them expecting, they're used to going through these town halls kind of breezing through and having it be a, it, a it was, simple. It was heated. Right. I mean, it was. I was supposed to be down in St. George for a meeting the next morning, but I stuck around and didn't leave there till like nine because it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was something. Right, it was really pretty good, and I think uh, I know Tim Vandenack made a wrote a great article about it in the in the Standard, and it, he, I think he really captured a lot of the frustration and the emotions that were that mm. were expressed there. So mm-hmm. if you have, if you get a chance, go back to Standard.net and read that article about it because it's. Right. But but yeah, that one I think that was a little bit anomalous because there were some people who were really riled up about that. Right, and and it was right. I mean, this was. This was weeks after they had just had the carpet ripped out from under them. Uh-huh. So yeah. it was still pretty fresh. I don't know if I don't know if this is going to get the uh, publicity. I don't know if they want it to get the publicity. No, they don't. I don't think they do. Right? Right? Like they they probably have in their mind what they want to do already. Well, right. It's yeah, like they're right, going to hold an right. event. Public and invite comments the people are they not want going to. to be conducive to anything that they're planning and wanting to do. Uh-huh. Because I mean, realistically, in this state, have we ever had any local politicians that really cared about what the people said? If they did. 
the prop two and prop three wouldn't have been undone. Yeah, exactly. And prop four wouldn't there that wouldn't even be a question uh-huh. if they really did care what the majority of the people wanted. So right. and I think and I, I I worry that that's why people don't show up to these things because it's not necessarily the oh, I can't do anything about it like from a positive standpoint, like, oh, they've got it under control. I trust them. It's more of a it's more of a I voted for prop two and they they gutted it. And so the people that I care about that would benefit from using medical cannabis for arthritis, for for neuropathy, for some of these things, those people now are criminals if they use these creams, mm-hmm. right? So so I I spoke out, they gutted it. I spoke out about Medicare and and, and Medicaid, expansion. Medicaid expansion on Prop Three. I I spoke out. I I went to the polls. I voted. We voted in record numbers in a in a midterm, and they didn't listen to me. And so I I think that there's frustration. Yeah. That, like okay, yeah, I'm gonna go spend three hours at a tax reform town hall to give my opinion just to hear them say, eh. Nah. So this is just reading up on this. This isn't a tax increase because there are uh, also well. tax cut. Hold on. Tax cut. Why are we? Why is this even coming up? If they're going to do, is is there people that are complaining that they're taxed and other trades or services aren't? Like, I mean, what, if you want my opinion, what you're what what they're doing is you've got a bunch of say rich business owners who want their tax burden to be less, and if you change it to a service based tax, then yes. you've got a bunch of small people, you know, a bunch of small say, sole proprietors sure. or small businesses. Or and, and those are the people now who are kind of covering that tax burden instead. So yeah. yeah, there are there's a whole class of people who are asking for this and benefiting from it. And by the way, those are the folks that make political donations, right? right. Exactly. So there's a seventy five million dollar tax cut on the table, and these they're calling this a tax restructuring. Uh huh. Yeah. So of course, trying they to trade and money. and they're going to call it a tax cut. Right. Because it's being cut from somewhere, right? But right. you got to make that up somewhere else, <laughs> right? Right. It's basically so, a redistribution. So when I look at like my sister cuts hair for a living, uh-huh. and so she will now have to start potentially, poten- it, it it's not done yet, but right. potentially she would have to start charging tax for that so that she could pay tax on that. Engineering services, civil uh, or uh, attorneys, mm-hmm. um, attorneys, you know, cutting lawns. Clean, cleaning carpets, you know, these are all services that are currently not taxed. But and I and I can understand that. I I, I can appreciate the fact that that we have become more service based oriented in in today's in today's world. We have a lot of services. You know, they bring up a lot with Uber and Lyft, for example. Sure. That there there's a big difference between and the way it was explained to me, which was pretty fascinating, was before generations before would go buy a car, and they would generate sales tax on that car, right? But now people go, ah, you know what? Do I really need a car? Because I can just spend – if I'm spending this much a month on insurance, on gas, on on a car payment, I could spend a third of that not having a car and just taking Uber and Lyft everywhere or riding my bike. And so they're not buying that big purchase. And so the tax – the taxes – or the sales tax is not being generated by the car purchasing, right? But one person is now driving enough for you know 12 or 13 people, and those 12 or 13 people that don't buy vehicles – they're not they're not paying the tax revenue and so how do we make that difference up and and i thought that and i never thought about it before so it was pretty fascinating that oh yeah that's true because you know kids 10 years younger than me they don't want to own a car you know that like i i have to own one for my for my company but there's days that i'm like man i don't want to wish i didn't have a have a car you know i wish right. i didn't have a car payment wish i wasn't paying you know between car payment insurance and everything you know 8 900 bucks a month if i could 
if I lived in a more urban area that I could just walk or, or take an Uber or Lyft, then I would probably look at that option. And that's what more and more people are doing because it's not a necessity to buy a car anymore. So they're losing in sales tax revenue. Well, so <clears throat> let me just be an idiot for a second and kind of back up to- For a second? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> Shade. Why- what what service is the government performing to even get a sales tax in the first place? Or more to the point, what are they doing to deserve a tax on any kind of service? Like, what is the government's role that they get some kind of cut in this? I don't think I understand that. Well, I mean, you could you could make the same argument, though, for the other side, where you could say, well, why do I have to pay sales tax on this car? Like, what was the government's role in that? And my answer to that is the government provides courts that make the business environment stable. You know, because you have to have recourse, right? They provide, you know, uh, so that that keeps your property safe, right? Yeah, like those kinds of things secure the environment so that people can do business, right? That's why no one wants to do business in Africa because somebody could steal your property, right? Mm. And then if they steal your property, you have no recourse in the courts. So no one wants to invest, you know, the foreign direct investment in the Democratic Republic of Congo is probably zero because nobody will risk that. But the United States government and Europe, you know, and most industrial countries... They will, they have that system in place, right? Or if you look at the Gulf in uh, the Middle East, that's why those places are so, that's why people invest so much money there is because they know that, that it's secure. And so I would say that's mm. what the government provides you. It creates the environment wherein you can do business. Right. Just take that, libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like you have to have that in order to have a free market. Because if you don't have those protections in place, people won't do business. Right. They're essentially being your security. Right. Your, uh, yeah. You have a police force, you know, who can, you know, issue these, you know, subpoenas or not subpoenas, but uh, like your summons to court. And, you know, they don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, apparently they don't. <laughs> but like th- that's my answer is like that's that's what you get from, you know, these tax. And, and furthermore, like the sales tax that you get goes into a lot of other places, too. One thing, uh-huh. one thing we're not talking about. is Thanks, Kobe. This is going to hurt the poor. More than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a di- it's, there's a difference between having a service of I'm going to add 4,000 square feet to my house or my house flooded and I got to call disaster cleanup and have a service or my water heater's out and I got to pay 7% more on a $2,000 bill or whatever it right. is. And, you know, um, Uber... Like you were saying, some yeah. people can't afford cars, let right. alone choosing not to. Exactly. Now all of a sudden, the choice was made for them, right? right? Because they can't afford it. So yeah. Right. So now you got to pay seven percent more on that. Well, to it, get it's, to work it's clearly a re- regressive tax, and yeah. I think that's the hard part about about when we talk about taxes is that people, the general public, I think, has a hard time understanding the difference between a progressive tax structure oh, yeah. and a regressive tax structure. Yeah, they don't know what you mean when you say right. Regressive so tax. when you talk about regressive taxes, uh, like a gas tax. Right. That's yeah. a regressive tax because it hurts the people who who are driving more. And, and a lot of a lot of people in rural areas that, that have to that are living in, in poor rural areas that put more mileage, use more gas. They're being adversely impacted by a gas tax than, say, someone who is maybe wealthier and, and drives a more fuel efficient car mm-hmm. and things. And, and, and so when you look at re, a regressive tax is any tax that is going to hurt um, the lower to middle income people more. And the progressive tax is one that that is like a higher tax structure, a higher tax rate for people who are making more money. So if you're making more money, you're taxed more. And while while neither is perfect, right? There are there are pros and cons to both. But there are, I mean, for for a, a lot of Americans now are getting more in the lower end because there's this huge divide and schism between the 
between the upper class and the lower and middle class. And so I think more people feel the 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 hit in a regressive tax structure. And this is this is clearly one of those. These service based taxes, a sales tax on services is absolutely a regressive tax. And it's going to it's not only going to hurt because these small business owners, you know, that are that are really working hard to keep their costs low for their customers, they have no say in it. They 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 can't keep it low enough and now now they have to charge taxes and you're right it's passed on to the consumer and most of the time who's the consumer that's buying that if my water heater goes out it's not like oh i got four more in the back that's fine i'll just put it it's man how am i going to afford this water heater this month i didn't even know if i was going to be able to make make you know my house payment it, it's tough insult right. to injury really it in absolutely that, in that situation. is so i i i do not love regressive taxes i think they're you know i i think it's it's really what's hurting us and right. is going to continue to hurt us but if my gut tells me that that is the direction we're going to go with this tax, oh, what yeah. you call it, restructuring, yeah, I, I think Reform, you're going to see a yeah. lot of of regressive taxes come into play here, and it, it's unfortunate. But it is Colby said it before: people who who want the tax benefits are the ones who have the money to hire the lobbyists mm-hmm. to pay the politicians. And when you talk lobbyists, and people are looking at at uh, the the my eyes were open in 2018 when I ran for the state house of representatives when I started pulling local politicians uh, financial statements and how much money they were taking from people like I tried to do a grassroots thing and I raised like fifteen thousand dollars and I want to say like ninety five percent I I don't know the exact numbers but it was a, a a huge amount was was taken from from personal individual donors or individual PACs a political action committee so people committees that were made up of, of individuals. So we're talking over 90, 95% of those are coming. So 5% maybe came from corporations or businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy I ran against almost doubled the amount of money I raised and his was exact opposite, right? He was taking 95% from corporations and companies and large businesses and was taking 5% from individuals, small small dollar donations from individuals. And so- um, You can guess who that guy works for. Yeah, yeah. So if if you if you think that it's you know it only happens at the national level, you would be shocked at how much money are going to these state politicians, and really we said it before the state politicians that these state politics are what really impacts us Absolutely. more than the federal politics, and so there is a lot of money, and it's a it's a magnitude you know it's a, it's an order of magnitude greater when you get to the federal level, but right. it still happens here, and decisions are not being made by the majority of the people as we saw in the 2018 election with Prop 2, Prop 3, and Prop 4, the decisions that are made by us, they're trying to tie our hands and take that that ability to do that ever again yeah, away from us. Yeah, because they made it more difficult now exactly. to get an, a ballot initiative on the ballot. Because, right, they, they restricted a lot of those, right? Yeah, and, it, and it's sort of infuriating a little bit because two things that I'm thinking of here. So to Jason's point about uh, people taking this money, uh, I I went to a Lucky Slice before an event um, one one Friday night during campaign season. And I just so happened to sit across from a particular candidate who was running for a state house race. And, you know, they were there strategizing and I was lucky enough to drop eaves on that and just kind of listen to what, and it it surprised me because this particular candidate was, it was uh, his first time running. And what he said was amazing to me because he was like, you know, they were talking about how, you know, these, like Jason saying, like, these these big companies or PACs or whoever were bringing this money to him. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, I'm still going to vote the way that I'm going to vote. And it's like either this guy's naive or he's a liar because you genuinely believe that they're just going to drop $5,000 on your campaign and then you're going to go vote against them. Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. Like when push comes to shove, 
they will get what they want. It, it might happen once. Yeah. But, but in two years, again. it won't happen again right. because yeah. you will Once be. You see the money, you go will away. be the guy that that money's going against next time in the right. primary, right? So yeah. that's so. Yeah, you you can you can use that and and say, oh yeah, I'm I'm not I'm gonna be clean. I'm not gonna do that, but it, it doesn't last long yeah, because yeah. they will find someone who will. Yeah, and then the second point was, you know, after the election, the Italian, you know, the the lieutenant governor's office, and you know, I think Republicans in general were sort of like, wow, look at how great all of this voter turnout was, you know, blah blah. It's like the reason that voters turned out was because the proposition, the propositions won, and two, it was it was they knew it was a referendum on Trump, right? Yeah. Like it was an opportunity, and that's why Democrats, you know, slayed in a lot of races, and that's frankly why Ben McAdams won yeah. was because Democrats showed up, and they and especially in Salt Lake County, they voted straight ticket, and so that was it was you know. Jason and I have talked about this. It was like, this might be the year we actually get rid of straight ticket voting because it hurt Republicans yes. so right. much in Salt Lake County that, you know, there was serious movement from the Republican side because it always comes on the Democratic side. And I would see, I, I would guess, I know uh, Representative Patrice Arendt for years yep. has ran a bill every single session to get rid of straight straight ticket voting. And I think, I think in 2019, you might actually see something happen with that because of the Ben McAdams rank thing. Voting, got rank, rank voting. Ranked choice, ranked choice voting, yeah. huh? Yeah. I like ranked choice. Me but too. just, I mean, yeah, that aside, I, you're never straight party ticket <laughs> voting is so infuriating. You look at the it numbers. Is. It's like it's like a third of the people voting for the Republicans are just voting they one are. vote. It's just the Republican vote, and that's it. They 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 don't feel a responsibility to know the names of the candidates. Let me ask you something positions. really quick. How yeah. do you make, okay, so as somebody that ran, yeah. how do you make taxes sexy to your your voters and make them come out to something like this so so what we what we did in our campaign was we knocked a lot of doors and we talked to a lot of people and i hate to break it to you but you we're losing with the with social media and the internet and everything we are losing the personal connection and that personal touch yeah and you can't we move the needle so far in my race and we came close it's it's one of the most conservative districts Probably the most conservative district, I would say, in Weber County. Uh, 29, man. Mm, yeah. 29. Okay. Fair. Maybe not the most. Fair. Uh, 12, probably, too. Yeah, I was going to say 12 is 12 12. and 29 but, are probably close. I would say wait, 12 and 11 are probably close. So, so well, Roy. 12 West, is Western area. 12 is oh, yeah. Roy, but it's also a portion of Davis County. And Hooper. Um, I think it's like, it's uh, Hooper, Roy, yeah. and like West Point. Yep. I think hmm. even a little bit of. A little bit of Clinton, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, but no. it's it's so it's well, yeah. yeah Twenty nine is the west side of if you have West the Point, north side. Twenty nine is like like Pleasant View and up into Box Elder County. Yeah, and Plain City, and Plain Far City, West, yeah. and yeah, and a good chunk of Box Elder. And eleven Elder. has Riverdale, which has some liberals, but then it's got this big Davis County well, chunk. You have I didn't do as well in Riverdale as I thought I would. I did great in Washington Terrace, where I'm from. Um, I did some South Ogden too. Yeah. I did decent in Riverdale. I did. Pretty poor in South Ogden. A couple of precincts I did well in, but Uinta is always a struggle. Yeah. Um, South Weber and Layton are, and then Hill Air Force Base was in my district as well. I won South Weber, and I I don't know this for sure, but I I tried to research this and see if any other Democrat had ever won a city in Davis County, but um, I I won South Weber outright. I did better in the Davis County than I did in Weber County, which yeah, is boy. weird. weird. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, it yeah. was, and hey, because, and you know what? They must have thought you were another Jason Allen. The th they must have, I don't know. <laughs> they, the, but the key was I spent, my wife and I spent a majority of our time knocking doors in South Weber and Layton, right? So we were there talking to people and we, and so when you talk about how do you make it exciting, how do you make it sexy? We, first of all, do the, do our leaders want it to be right now? No. 
because they don't want to draw attention to it. Right? Yeah, they're, they they're want to do, to do what do they're going to do. Under the rug, right? They're trying to hide it. Yeah. Look, when you when you see an accelerated schedule like this, it's pretty clear that there's a reason that they want to just push this. They're trying to get away with something. Yeah. Yeah. So so I've you know I I've seen this before in in you know when there's something you you really don't want feedback on there's ways that you can meet the law the letter of the law but not necessarily the spirit of the law does that make sense right, so they don't right. they're not we have getting, to do it this yeah. we have to have this many tunnels we have to have this much public no- notice we have they're to they're not do this. doing their due diligence though to get people like informed and really understanding what's going on right? yeah See, i mean i would like be I say, okay with this without the trade off tax sure. i'm all for raising taxes okay as long as i get something for it Right. Right. But if you're going to trade off $75 million from the rich sure, and make the poor pay for it, which is what this is doing, not the poor, right. but the middle class, lower, the people that well, are- And so we need to do a better job of educating people, first of right. all, right? Everybody thinks, everybody says taxes are bad, right? Raising taxes is bad. That's that's what a, a majority of people, if you were to just give them a, a, a questionnaire that with one question- is raising taxes good or bad? They're all going to say bad, right? Because, because it, but it's not that simple. It's not, it's not, it, you know, it's not black and white like that. There, there are certain services that we need to maintain. Now, I'm, I'm all for cleaning things up and running things more efficiently and effectively. But at some point, and every, every politician that runs, and I, I was very open about this when people would ask me about taxes. I would always tell them the same thing. I'm like, every single person that runs for office always says the same thing. I'm going to cut spending, and I'm going to lower your taxes. Yeah. But, yeah. But, they, but at some point, right, how much more spending can we cut? Like, who's it cut from? Yeah, we, where, what services where? do we start cutting now? Do you – because we have gutted education. Right. Do we start looking at public service – like, like – like, um, Cops, fire, emergency services, right? Like, where do we go? And and I and I think that we need to restore that back to what it was with the with the uh, the you know they changed the pensions and the retirement plans for our for police officers, firefighters. Right. Me personally, I'm I'm fine raising my taxes a little bit to restore those back to what they were and take care of the people that take care of us. Right. The educators, they take care of my kids. They do a job that I I was a former high school math teacher. And I didn't last very long before I got, went back into engineering. I loved it, but it was difficult. Four years as the average it was, teacher, right? There, now. Yeah, I was one. Right. You know, it, I mean, that's that's. I lasted a year, and and I and I wish that it would have been. I would have been in a position where I didn't have to go back into engineering to pay the bills. And you know, so so where do you cut it from? So when they say we're going to cut spending, we're going to cut spending, we're going to cut wasteful spending. Is is the the we're going to cut wasteful spending? Well, look. We've been doing this for long enough, and the state actually runs a pretty good budget, right? I mean, they're, oh, they're really good. The, the, they're great. the state of Utah is actually pretty good. Their budget is, and so that's what I always tell people: like, where are you going to cut the quote wasteful spending? Where's that coming from? Because at some point, I, I got to start looking at we're losing teachers, we're oh, losing yeah. educators, we're losing uh, police officers and firefighters, we're losing these people to other professions, the great ones. And, or and other even, other cities, right? Like or other there was cities, an article or other states, states. Yes. or they're yeah. working for three cities at the yeah. same time. So, so when we continue to when people stop making decisions to go into those those really noble professions because of money, that's a problem. And so you're starting to see other states, you're starting to see other other school districts, you know, that are that are outside of the Weber County area that are that are offering a lot of money to these teachers. You're, we've got to do something to to help that, and so. We've got to educate people that there's that there are services that we love and that we we need we need for for the to to 
prepare or protect for the future. But okay, really, Jason, right? when you say that though, okay, I I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you what you're saying. But what comes from maybe not the other side, but what I hear often uh, is that, hey, look, there's already these tr- uh, charter schools, private schools. We just make that uh, make education uh, more and more privatized and not worry about and like let 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 it happen the way it should right like um let the, let the market decide. let the market let the yeah, free market the, decide free right market. no we oh, hear yes. that a lot of times the the faith in the invisible hand yeah right? the because, invisible like, hand will will, follow, will because, lead us yeah. because throwing money at private institutions expecting them to provide quality education is a great idea nope right like like they're in it for profit yeah someone's right. in it to make money and right. so when you want to talk wasteful spending right i i'm there are there are four there are companies that run charter schools that are managing charter schools that are making fortunes off right. of the taxpayer dollars that those profits are going to and yeah hey we're stimulating the local economy great but you know what else would st- stimulate the local economy a huge pay increase for all of the teachers in the state that now instead of having to use Uber guess what they can now go buy a car and then that sales tax revenue is generated there again, right? Go. I'm just saying there's other ways to stimulate the economy than than one person who owns a company making millions off of privatized education and charter school systems. Give everybody a raise across the board so that then they can make more money. And this is the problem that I've always and had with trickle-down p- economics is that, that they always say, well, the money is going to trickle down because they'll invest more into things. And, yeah. and I agree to it to an extent it trickles, but it stops. What a, a, a sweeping raise would be – to everybody would say, well, all of a sudden I don't have to pay health care anymore because the government's going to cover that cost. And I don't have to pay $800 a month for my family's health insurance, right? Or or in some cases, yeah. $1,200 a month. And then thousands of guys go start their own businesses. Go, exactly. They don't, they don't have to yes. go worry about health care yes. for their family. Right. That's the single so biggest now, reason why people so, won't start their so own when I start telling people, when I start telling people, you want to give everyone a, a raise, you want to give a tax cut. Save everybody from paying for their own insurance and have a have a state run or a, a federally run health health care system that we don't have to pay that money. That's that's money that will stimulate the local economy better than a than a tax cut because again, tax cuts they gotta come from somewhere, right? That's such well, an well, uphill battle though, because you gotta fight you gotta fight years and years of people thinking that the government is the bad guy so yes i mean because because i was talking about this this week that's just gonna uh, that's where your your discussion will stop there because people are gonna just say you want me to give my money you want you want me to trust the government no way well and that's because republicans have poisoned the well for 40 years right you know reagan said government is the problem right that's a quote from him right and and it wasn't true necessarily right like is government you know does it have problems? Sure. But what private corporation doesn't exactly. have problems? It's like, don't pretend that because you're in the private sector, everything is hunky-dory because it's not. Like, every company has issues. Like, organizations have issues. And so Republicans have poisoned the well for 40 years telling people that government is the problem when, in the meantime, you know, if you were to shift some of these burdens, like Jason's saying, over to the government, some of those responsibilities, you would actually, it could be more efficient because right. economies of scale and you can negotiate, mm-hmm. you know, like Shane talked about during the union episode, the union negotiates for all of these people one 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 rate, right? This is what everyone gets paid. Yep. And it would be the same thing if the government would say, yep, we're going to negotiate. This is the price for an MRI. Everybody. That's what it is. Well, and, and the, the rising cost of health care, for instance, I mean, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit when you're talking about these services, right? 
the 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 frustrating thing and the infuriating thing really is that that even though these healthcare costs have gone up where that where that difference is it's not in the salaries of the doctors as much in the last 20 years right the salaries of the doctors have increased but not as much as the cost where it is is it's the administration cost yeah. so if the administration cost that they're they're for profit companies they're making these huge profits if the if the government were to take that over and run that and no, figure out a way to do it efficiently. There's right? no middleman. And look, I agree it's an uphill battle. But you know what? The way, and I always try to try to look on the bright side and take hope in things. And the way I look at it is, what phone did I have 15 years ago or even 10 years ago in my pocket? Right? What could it do? What was it capable of? And so when you the look Nokia at the Nokia brick, right? That was mine too. Right? I could play <laughs> hey, Snake. Galaxy S2. Exactly come on, snake. you could yeah. play Snake on your phone. And and then if you remember. If you're really old school, you remember the day when Snake got upgraded to version 2.0 where now instead of just staying within the screen, you, you could, could go, go off the side yeah, and you could come buddy. back in the other side. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Do you remember how groundbreaking that was to be able like, to go? Holy crap. Okay, that was what, 12 years ago? So look at how no far. No way. That was longer than 12 years ago. I don't ago. know. 12, 15 no. years ago. I don't think so. iPhone was <gasps> 15 years old? 17? I'm, I'm just saying. So in the last 15 years, look 15? at what. Look wow. at what innovation had led us to get to, right? And there's no reason. There's no reason that this younger, up-and-coming generation can't be innovative about about government and politics and these services, right? We had we went through this this amazing technological revolution in the last 20 years, okay? Where it is it has just made these huge improvements in technology. But the interesting thing is that where do we go from here, technology-wise, right? I've I've often wondered this. And I wondered this 15 years ago, where do we go from here? Look at all this amazing stuff we AI. have, the internet, all that, right? It's so AI. where do we go from here? At some point, it has to. it's going to shift away where our dreamers and our innovators are going to shift away from technology to try to figure out how we can save our planet, how we can save humanity, and what we can do to, to improve the lives of those around us, right? So you're starting to see these, these Gen Zs and these, these millennials that – a lot of them, when you talk to them, they are concerned about the future, not just for them, but for those around them. They have this almost benevolent nature that in generations before that were all about hoarding, hoarding wealth, hoarding hoarding supplies, hoarding savings, things for the future, saving, saving money, because, yeah, because something, Boomers. you never know what's going to go down, right? <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. And now all of a sudden you you have this new generation that realizes that the system is stacked against them and they say – we need to start looking outward on what we can do for those around us. If if I have enough food, what about the guy next door to me that doesn't? What am I going to do to help him? So I think you're going to well, see this shift. It's not even that. Like the the environmental thing, that is like their well-being. It's not just right. them saying, I'm looking out for other people. It's like it's, if you I guys have not cared about five years old, this is I need important. to do something else. Right. So right. I think you're so, going to see a shift. And so when you say you're going to have to convince people – to trust the government, I, I think this next generation has no choice but to figure out a way to innovate decision-making on a federal and state level that is heretofore unseen. Well, my concern, right. though, with that, that you, you're right, um, but my concern is going to be, and I don't want to be like, I don't want to leave this on a bleak note, but the people that are, are handing this stuff over, I feel like a lot of that is, uh, they're, they're kind of, they kind of squash that whole thing. I'm like, no, 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 this is the way it is. This is how it's been. This is how you have to do it, right? Yeah, but I don't think millennials will accept that. I, I hope agree. not. Oh, we hope not. So I, in fact, but I, I think, think that's, that's the reason I for their desperation. Wrong. That's why they're like, right. we have got yeah, to jump yeah. in and take charge of this. No one, those no one guys. fights harder than someone backed into a corner, right? right? Exactly. You don't ever want, you don't ever want to fight someone who has nothing to lose. And right, right now, millennials and Gen Zs, <laughs> yeah. they have nothing to lose. Right. They will yeah. not live you're to not see fifty pay years old. You're going to mess up our planet if they don't. If they don't start, so millennials and Gen Zs. 
July 8th, Weber Davis <laughs> County. You show up to this tax reform, well, and we get a good solid group of people there. What I was gonna say, a thing to note is that <laughs> a good thing to note is that millennials are the largest voting block in the United States now. So if you're a millennial and you want to see well, change, eat it, Uncle Joe, maybe show maybe. up and vote. Potential voting block, but they're not quite voting at the same. Right, level. Yeah, they're not. But if they showed up and voted, they would outnumber their grandparents. Hey, I, exactly. So the right. side note, I. If I watched this thing. And the reason people don't respect them is they don't show up and vote. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. They're just if they bitches and owners. If they showed up and vote, people would have to respect them. People would be like, oh, have to cater. they could the turn elections. Actually, you know, they, I they could turn this whole damn county blue. They, they literally could. could. They absolutely could. July 8th. You lazy sons of bitches! No, <laughs> hey, that's us. That's, that's us. That's us. Table yeah, of millennials. That, that's a table exactly. Uh, let's uh, let's move on though. Uh, I kind of wanted. I want to hear what's going on with the hip hop scene in Ogden. <laughs> no, no. no oh, sure. okay. Sure, sure hip hop. But let's talk about <laughs> real music. <too. laughs> oh, easy, man. Ouch. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you someone to check out right now. They're local. Ooh. They're from Ogden. Um, his name's Earthworm. Uh, he, oh yeah, Earth, I already yeah. like him. Earthworm is fantastic. You need to check him really? out. He's doing All amazing right. things in the hip hop scene Earthworm here locally. Ogden. He's great. Whatever happened to so what about Christagon? Joselia Paulette. Have you heard of her? <laughs> Joselia Jose Paulette. No. Oh, she's great. She's great. I know Joselia. Oh, do you? Yeah, she, I know Joselia real well. I, I don't. I've her never dad listened. teaches. Uh, yeah, her dad's fantastic. I fucking love her dad, yeah, dude. Bill's the man. I yeah. He's do, awesome. I used to do a local music show on Tuesday nights up at Weber State. And I just went on, I would go in weekly for a segment to say what shows are coming up, what's going on in the local scene. And then they invited me to, to co-host, and we had Bill come in and, and oh, perform. One, he, that guy and is amazing. And he plays amazing. music, too. Oh, he's he's great, an English teacher. And he teacher, tells amazing and he, stories. Yes. And he's a, just a master storyteller. Bill was amazing. In fact- Is his name I, Bill? Yeah. Isn't it Bill Pullman, William, right? yeah. But oh, I, yeah, I, William. Yeah. 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 So he, I only knew him by Mr. Dude, Bill Pullman? Pollitt. Pullman, yeah, he he gave so, his great so Bill Pullman speech from when the aliens yeah. came. <laughs> Today doing, is our, we declare anyway? our Independence Day. <laughs> um, we will not go down. Joseli Pullman, is that great. Earthworm? Go, that's Ghostface yeah, yeah, yeah. Killer. No, that over there. <laughs> no, that's over there. But, yeah. yeah, but he's I'll opening for Ghostface Killer because Ghostface Killer is coming Earthworm to is Ogden. fantastic. Shut Earthworm's up. doing great things. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he used to come hang out in the basement. He looks worth checking out. I'll check him out. Anyway, so yeah, so all age venue. So. Let me let's start here. Okay. Is there any music venue in Ogden right now? So yeah, that you I mean, know of. Yeah. What do you mean? If, well, I mean if there's you're 21, bars, yeah. There's bars. There's, well, yeah. Well, there's bars talking, and there's like are restaurants. Are you talking if, right. if a high school kid if a high school kid wanted to book a show for his band and go and play well, a or 16, say, 17 year old kid? Is that what you saying? Say a band wanted to come through. It's basically okay. the Ogden Amphitheater. Is that it? No. What else? Well, is all Where ages, else is that's there? it. <gasps> yeah, if it's all ages, that's it. Shut up. Are you serious? That's it. That's all right now. Was there a law passed that'll? I swear, when I 1999, 2000, it back. You would have young, you would have Prince. high school bands playing bars like Brewskis. No, no, no. Or were they that, lying? I don't think you can do that. <laughs> Jason's that face right that, now. It would happen like so. I I would be in the situation no. where there was a band full of people who were 21, 22, and then one member was maybe 19, and people would kind of look the other way. Like right. that might happen. I, okay. I know that, never, that happens. That never happened. But. Uh, well, there was no rule where you couldn't, had to stay in a certain area. Nothing look, like that. It all depended on, if you were a touring band, it all depended on how your tour, man, how good your tour manager was. Yeah. Really. But yeah, no, I, they, they, I, I've been into my fair share of 
bars. Like my wife, she was she's younger than me, so we would go see shows, and I would try. I would have to figure out ways to because these bands were my friends. I'd have to figure out ways to get her in. Mm. I mean, we weren't drinking or anything, but we we wanted to see this show, and so you know, she would be a, a part of the band, you know, carrying equipment for him or something and, and get him in. So there, there's ways, but sometimes they don't, they don't check as much. If look, if you're bringing a crowd that's going to buy their alcohol, they don't care. Yeah. Or they're, so I, I think like what John's saying, they, they, they <laughs> tend, they're tended, they're tended they to be people care. past looking at, I don't to think there's you, ever been, even back then in 20 years ago, I don't think there was. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a band full of high school kids that's getting in there. But that probably wouldn't happen, right? That's right? what I mean. Like, I don't like think that wouldn't school, happen. But, there is a but if there was a touring band, between but if there was a touring band, for instance, if there was a touring band that was going to bring some people and they were twenty years old and they the only option was to play in a bar, back then I think there there probably was a little bit more leniency. Well, and I do I feel like they maybe had policies of like, okay, you do have to stay in this area. We're going to bar right. this part off. Nobody back. Well, because there's venues know. down in Salt Lake that have a, you have to get a wristband. And you go to a twenty one and older. Yeah. area of the venue so you've got an all ages you know a lot of the shows Whoa, that i went to right, we right, would go right. see all Back ages the but then day. upstairs that like you know that's we used to go to the bar that's Bricks, where the yeah. was. you know yeah. Bricks was upstairs. Like you yeah. couldn't go upstairs unless Salt you were 21 yeah. you know and like Salt club escape deviate like some of Bricks these was Bricks was yeah Bricks was that back back, and forth. back when it was cool and called the called bricks before it was in, in the, the venue. venue yeah come on guys a prepositional guys. phrase is a perfect <laughs> name for a location. i was so mad I, don't, I, don't, I had no emotional investment into that decision whatsoever but i was furious oh dude i was mad to, from bricks to in the venue i was yeah, so mad i was mad anyway so so, so there's no venues in ogden there is, other than ogden amphitheater and don't they play music at like brewskis or something okay so yeah. there are so there are yeah, venues and there are some kamikazes. good places there are some good places to play right, kamikazes, you've got alleged you have the funk um, funk and dive is great yeah. funk and dive is fantastic i've been i've gone and seen a number of shows there they're like doing the great things there too loud yeah, you're getting old. Right? <laughs> if it's too out loud, and you're even, too old. Uh, what's the, the Lighthouse Lounge has Lighthouse, has right, bands yeah. every now and then. Yep. Um, and then I see like good stuff at Slackwater. Sure. And there's like a couple restaurants, like open mic uh, night stuff, uh, or like Two Bit Street no. will sometimes have somebody yeah, good two there. Street. Right. So, like, but in, right now it's uh, Slackwater all... inside Slackwater. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Like they'll do like folk. I've been in there and had you know like a singer songwriter type stuff. Yeah. And so a little loud in there when you're trying to. It yeah, is. I was going to say, old it man. Be, I think it'd be that. Well, it is, though. It, <laughs> like, it was. Like, you, I, you go I there and you Why don't you guys dinner. just eat your quiet dinner at home, <laughs> <Yeah>. all right? <laughs> I, took, I took my wife there one night, and we didn't know. We were just like, it's right. Friday night. So we went, and we get in there, and we're halfway through, and we're deep in conversation about some things. You're and screaming. suddenly, this musician starts. And don't get me wrong, great music. The pizza's it great. It just wasn't what I was expecting, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so it was ooh, It was a little, little much. Yeah. But yeah, so right now, no all-age local music venue. Um, th- there's nothing right now other than the amphitheater. But the problem is most young high school bands can't book, can't afford to book that. Right. Right. You're doing everything yourself there as far as marketing right. and yes. booking the space. And, and, and it's not cheap. Nope. Yeah, you know, oh, and I've not? I've put shows there. No. I've put, no, I've put all day festivals there. It is not cheap to rent that no. place. If you're a nonprofit, so, they'll give you a discount. But if you're for profit, it's it's like five hundred bucks. I think just the base price for the for the for the space, and then you have to, to open do the doors. Sound. If you're and, sound, you're going to triple that. You uh-huh. know, double that. It, it's 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 not. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but we did like a we did like a fundraiser there one night. And it was not. I mean, it was for not cheap. All ages, right? We're talking. So, how big of how big venue? How big of a venue are we talking here for? Like a a high school. Let's say there was like a battle of bands that you wanted to put together. Okay. And is that still a thing? You want? It is. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> it probably right. only is happening at Weber State. Here's That's the maybe, here's right. the thing. Yeah. What about oh, so yeah? Uh, why don't so we, what why don't, we like, why don't we maybe step back a few few years and talk about kind of the history? Yeah, because there of used to be been. things here. There used to be a lot of great okay, things yeah, here. yeah, yeah. So That's so it all so when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 1999. I went to Bonneville High School. Go Lakers! Um, Boo! But Boo. easy, <laughs> easy. I'm your guest. Okay, the guest is always right. So still a royal. <sighs> Roy, the uh, the armpit of the Ogdenary. <laughs> Anyways, oh, oh, sure. the uh, terrace. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the this, terrace. All right, all right. So, wow. um, so boy, this is. I shouldn't have invited him to sit next places. to me on the couch. Right. You lived in both places. I, yeah, so yeah. I remember when I was when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, what this this uh, girl that I that I was a, a student government officer with? She goes, "Hey, bunch of us are going to go check out my brother's band." Okay, so this would have been in like ninety six, ninety seven. We're going to go check out my brother's band. Why don't you come? And I thought, you know, all right. I, I've always enjoyed music. I was into it. I remember as a young kid, you know, me and my buddy would put on concerts in the backyard playing tennis rackets and lip syncing the Beach Boys songs. Like yeah. that was like we we were like I, I always dreamed of being in front of a crowd and playing in a band and, and writing music and creating something and sharing it. Right. And so I thought, well, this is great. You know, I've never been to like a local band's concert. So we went and watched these guys play. And they were all three guys were former Bonneville graduates. You know, it was her older brother and a couple of their friends. And I went and it was we went to a little place called The Junction. Oh, yeah. Okay, do you remember? 23rd Street in Jackson. It was it was an old church in the middle of a residential neighborhood. It was literally the worst place for a music venue, but it was magical to me. It was great. It well, and was it felt magical. like you had no supervision. That's right. what was great about the neighborhood. And, and it was, <laughs> right. And, and it was, the thing is, it was run by a very close friend of mine uh, named Ted Shoup. He did a great job. And what he did was he he kind of opened up the doors for some of us that were aspiring musicians to have a place to showcase our act and and kind of cut our teeth a little bit yeah. before moving up to the up to the next level. Yeah. And I always, I always remember Minor that. League stuff. And I yeah. loved, loved going to the junction. I spent a lot of weekends there watching bands. I didn't care who was playing. I couldn't get enough watching bands. Did you and pay so to get in? You paid to get in. Yeah, yeah. it was like so five bucks. Th- yeah, it was like five dollars to get in. And and what he would do is he would take a tally on who you were there to see. Uh-huh. Right. He had a system, yeah. and if you brought in enough people and he covered his cost, then he would split the money based on who brought in how many people. And so I remember when I was a, so that was when I was a sophomore. And I thought, I got to learn to play guitar. So I got a guitar. I had played piano since I was like in first grade. And so I got a guitar and I taught myself to play sophomore year. And then I, I thought, you know, I got to, this is, this is something I need to do. I, I've got to do this. So by the time I was like a senior, I started a band. I was playing keyboards and singing in it. Um, we were kind of like a, like a Ben Folds Five kind of thing, you know, we're playing. And, and I, I started this band and then I joined another band and another band. And, and I remember I joined this band with a couple of guys that I went to school with. I was a senior, one was a junior, and one was a, a sophomore. And we were called Olfactory. Oh, and, yeah. Do you remember that? I remember. And we went and played our first show. We were like a basically a Matchbox 20 knockoff band. We went and Man, played. You guys sound so lame. <laughs> Come on. Well, I, I feel like you're Bro. downplaying the Counting Crows, which was, no that was the aspect I remember. That was it. Okay, it was more like, okay, it was, it was <laughs> Matchbox 20 plus Counting Crows equals as bad as you would expect it to be. Um, and so, so we Great go at the in. time. Be fair. Oh, it no, was, to be that was, was the real deal. It was the real deal. Yeah, like, I love uh, Rob Thomas. I got to say it on there. I, gotta, <laughs> I love I mean, Rob Thomas. I'm not going to fault you, man. Do you have any record? I would love to listen if you sound like Rob Thomas. Yeah. 
That's yeah, you buddy. all of a sudden got a lot better looking to me. Uh, oh, <laughs> hey, oh. yeah. I I have I could I could find you an old recording of us. And Guess good thing I, I am sitting next to you on the couch, huh, Jason? <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta keep gotta keep it separated. Keep it, keep it, was, where where your hands? I'm at, blushing Shane. now. I'm <laughs> blushing. <laughs> Shane's over here fangirling. So so we so we start playing at the junction, and you know I I I ended up when I left that band, I started doing kind of a singer songwriter thing, and it was more like a like a, I would tell jokes and stories and I would play songs and it was kind of a kind of a whole act and and we would go and, and play at the junction and I remember that that was like in 99 when I graduated and then um, I, I served an LDS mission when I got home I started another band and we played there a lot and I still remember in like 2002 2003 when Ted shut down the the junction oh yeah he shut it down and and he told me and I talked to him about it. I was like Ted why are you leaving he's like well you know, this, this space, it's in a residential neighborhood. It's, I'm getting a lot of complaints because unfortunately, you know, the kids that were coming, they didn't, they didn't like, I, I revered it. Like it was in an old church, but to me it was religion. Oh yeah. Right. Local music and the music scene and going to these shows, it was like attending church for me. Right. And so it was a high school kid that was going through a lot and was very angsty and was trying to, trying to figure out all my emotions and how to express myself. And and you know, battling this all these these raging hormones and these these ideas and and how can I balance all this? For me, that was that was what got me through, right? This local music venue right. that I could go to and I could feel at home and I could feel safe and I could feel like like everything was gonna be okay. It shaped me and I still hold a very special place in my heart for the junction and for Ted and what he gave to us. And unfortunately, you know, kids are kids and they do stupid stuff and and they were ruining it for the rest of us who really revered the place. They didn't respect it as much. And so they were they were going and doorbell ditching and throwing, you know, beer bottles in people's yard. And, and so the, the city basically had to say, we, you got to You got to clean this up. And, and with with enough complaints, he said, I'm going to go find a place down in Salt Lake. And mm-hmm. so he moved his venue down to Salt Lake. And I remember the conversation that I had with Ted. I've never forgotten it, and I never will forget it. And I, because th- I think he was dead wrong. And I set out at that moment to prove him wrong. He told me, he said, "Jason, a venue in Ogden will never work." And I said, "Why?" And his Damn. reason was, his reason was, he said, he said Salt Lake is thirty-five miles from Ogden, uh-huh. but Ogden is three hundred and fifty miles from Salt Lake. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. So I said, "Oh and shit!" I, and, and that stuck with me. I mean, I was like twenty-two years old at the time, you know, twenty-three years old, and he told me that. And I was like, you're wrong. He said, then prove me wrong. And I was like, I will. Give me time. I will. So flash forward a few years. Right after that, 2005, a guy named Ron Atencio, great friend of mine, opens up an all-ages venue the called Mojo's. Yeah. Okay. I hung out. So and Ron opens Junction Mojo's. closes in 2003? Junction closes probably 0203. Okay? And then 05 is. And 0- oh, so there's a gap. So there's a lull. Right? So there's a lull again where, where there's no local music. So Ron right. opens up. Mojo's in 2005. Okay, 22nd of Washington. 22nd right. of Washington. Great, cool space. Local Building art. still there. Building still there. Was it Trump Wait, campaign 20, headquarters? 22nd in Washington. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like 2210 Washington Boulevard. Where am I? At? You know where the Even Stevens right is? Next it's even right Stevens. next door. Oh, okay. okay, right next door. Okay. To that. Yeah. He had that. He ran a little magazine out of there called Street Magazine. He had like a clothing oh, yeah, store that he was selling yeah, stuff out. I do remember that. Ron's place. a great guy. Was heavily involved in like the Ogden City Planning Commission. Yep. Um, so he opens this. Tried to run for the state house in maybe 06. Nope, it was oh, in 2010. No. Trust me. It could have been. You're probably right. It comes up in the story. <laughs> okay. <good. All> right. <laughs> so I, I know exactly when it was All because right. 
and and I'll get to why I know exactly what it was because that was a very emotional time in my life when that happened. So <laughs> so anyway, so so Ron opens this venue and there's very few bands, very few local bands because you haven't had a place to play right, for two right. Everybody's so, gone, right? So everybody's gone and it's it's died off. So Ron comes back, it's on life support and he brings it back to life, right? So he he starts booking these bands and at first he had a, he, Ron had the benefit of having a really cool space where he made people feel at home and these people were Ron's family. And that's what I loved about Ron. Ron. These people were his family, and he loved them like children, like his own children, right? And and he would do anything for these people, and I loved that about Ron. It was amazing. Um, and, and so he had this really cool space with very, very manageable um, rent, Yep. you know, and a lease that was very – like when I say very manageable, um, it was like a fifth of what I was paying when I opened my venue. Like yeah. it was amazing, and so and the so city he helped him get it right, and so he didn't have to, he didn't have to book huge shows to keep the doors open, right? Mm. He could book bands that would bring in ten, fifteen people, so he could have a show on a Friday night and bring in thirty people and at five bucks a head and do that every weekend. Thirty people was his break even. He could, you know, or twenty people was his break even. He had a great gig going, and it, and it worked out really well for him. Ten years, and it, yeah, it went from 05 to two thousand and fifteen, huh. and so. So Ron really, really breathed some life back into the the local music scene. Yeah. And I remember going to shows at at Mojo's and watching these bands because I had friends that were in bands that would invite me and I would come down and watch it. And and the engineer in me was always saying, I can build a better mouse trap. Right? That was my idea. It was I a better, I, I, a better I, what? A better, better mousetrap. That's the that's, that's the a... The, the the business phrase and the business idea is, shut up is, Shane you, you don't have <laughs> to come up with about. his idea, eyes are like what the hell the, is the idea about? in business is you don't have to do something new and exciting you just have to build a better mousetrap okay. right and, okay. and so I, I I would go into I there and I would I would look and I would see and <laughs> I would say Shane. I could do this I could do this I think I could open a venue so I I I at the time I had been working with local bands promoting shows I had a, a recording studio in my basement I had you know I I had a chintzy little record label that we had released a couple of albums it was mostly like self-release stuff that we were trying to get out with me and my buddies so i'd record and i'd do that and i just absolutely love music can never walk away and in in 2009 i finally pulled the trigger and i opened my own venue right so i had done some research to find out kind of what the state of the of the of the music scene was and i thought i could make it work and so i put a buddy of mine and i he he was kind of a minor owner but but we started this company uh, this business called the basement. Okay, so I found I found someone that owned the Berthana building. Do you know the, down on Twenty Fourth Street? The yep. Berthana. It's the one with the cowboy. It's where on the wall. Warren's is now, right? Well, no, it, no, it's uh, no, it's, it's uh, Union Grill now. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, Burger right, right. was. Sorry. If you know oh, where, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, where the frozen yeah, yeah. yogurt shop is. Yeah, man, that was my spot. It's yeah. so weird to see it not have black walls and sound equipment, uh-huh. and, like a stage, and to see like these bright colors there. And it's, it's a good spot it's for a really venue, man. It was fantastic. So, so I find this guy that owns the building, and I say, "Hey, I've got this idea." And and I've been looking at buildings, and no one wants to take a risk on me. And this guy flies in from California, and he meets with me, and I show him my business plan, and I show because I'm an engineer, so I'm obviously putting in a lot of time and effort into this and thinking about it. And at the time, I'm 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 teaching high school math. I just lost my job, and so I decided to be a teacher, right? And so I had some money saved up for my severance when they did away with my position at the at the county. So I had some money that I could invest into a sound system and and a stage and a space. And so I had this money that I'm like, it's time, right? And I so I was a and so I said, I'm going to do this. So I get this guy. It's like fall. He flies in. It's like late summer, early fall. And he flies in. He's like, hey, I can, you know, 
show me what you're gonna, what you're going to do. So we go to a Mojo's happens to have a battle of the bands that night, right? So so I go. So it would have been like early summer. So I go in and I'm like, hey, come and watch. And he shows up, okay. And we go in there and we're watching and we're. You know, I'm telling him, this is what I do different. This is it. And he's like, oh, okay. And I show him the bands that are playing. He's like, these are cool bands. I think we got this. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. I think we got it. So this guy that used to run security for me when I used to, so I used to do concerts in this, I probably shouldn't admit this, but there was a building <laughs> that I that I worked in. And I was like, hey, I want to do a concert in the garage. And the owner's like, cool, but there's the basement that's not being used right now. So why don't you just use that see if you can use that for your concert and i was like cool so i go to the owner of the building and i'm like hey man can we use this like for a show and he's like sure man so in between obviously that not time, a lawyer <laughs> in between that time from like 2003 to like 2005 when there were no venues i was doing shows in a place we just called the basement now we would never print the address because if anybody found out because what i had done is i took the keys and i made a copy Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. We were throwing illegal concerts in this basement of this building, and no, the only way you got in is if you knew where it was. We didn't oh, advertise. We would just say, speakeasy, we would dude. just say, come yeah, and check this, real, these right? bands out. At the the sound system was terrible. It, it was just a garbage. <laughs> it, like this open room. The reverb, the one reverb door was in, terrible. Fire trap. Yeah, dude. It was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we would have been in so much trouble if something happened. But. It was so exciting, and kids loved it. And so at first, you know, you'd play in front of 30, 40 people, and then it was 50, and then it was 100. And, and so it just it took off. So I, I actually paid for my sophomore year of college by throwing these illegal concerts nice. in what we called the basement. So when I, when I was like, I'm going to open my own venue, of course it was going to be called the basement, uh-huh. right? A throwback to all those kids from 03 to 05 who would come to these shows. And, you know, I'm charging up five bucks at the door, and we get 100 120 kids show up, you know, so I'm making like six, 700 bucks a night. And, you know, I, back then tuition was only like, you know, 1200 bucks. So, you know, I throw a couple of these a semester and I pay my tuition. So, so we get in and we're, we're doing all this, you know, but then to every outsider who just was going to the basement that's on ground level on 24th street, yeah. they're like, where's the basement? Oh yeah. I've been to that place. That's called the basement. Yeah. That's not a basement. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It was it, the basement more rec it, it more kind of spoke it was to like the, the idea. attitude the of attitude the like yeah like you were what i wanted it to feel like when i opened it was i wanted it to feel like you were having a show at your friend's basement you were just hanging out with some friends we had some couches there to start with right. after a while we got rid of those but when we opened we had just couches where you could sit and hang out and just watch a show the cool thing about the space was there were steps there was a little upstairs area a little viewing area oh, it was yeah. the backstage and there were steps on the side of the wall so it actually looked like you were in a basement like you were you know these steps mm-hmm. coming down the stairs the bands would go hang out up there and then they'd walk down those stairs right onto the stage and they'd set up and play and it was it was really cool. So, so, anyways, so back to Mojo's with this uh, this battle of the bands. We're sitting there, and this kid comes up that used to run security for me at the basement at the uh, at the old speakeasy, you know. And so, this kid walks up, and he's like, "Bro, it's been like three years. What's up, man? I haven't seen you." And I'm like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And and he's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I'm like, oh, "I'm just here checking it out." And the guy next to me, the the guy who owns the building that I'm looking at, he's like. He's scouting out here, man. He's going to open a new venue. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, Bro, that's awesome. You're going to open a venue? That's so cool, man. You should talk to Ron. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's no, probably not, not a Ron. great idea. I probably shouldn't. He's like, no, dude, you should totally talk to Ron. 
And I'm like, ah, probably not, man. Let's let's like not do that. And he's like, okay, whatever. So I'm sitting there enjoying the show, and five minutes later, here's this kid walking up with he's like, Ron. I found with, with Ron. And he's like, Father, yeah. it's him right there. And Ron looks at me, and I look at him, and I'm like, oh gosh. Did you know him? Then? Go. No. No. Yeah. No, I didn't know him. Yeah. And so he walks out, and uh, he's like, let's go outside. And I was like. <laughs> it's like getting called the principal's like, like here's this guy that has has you know single-handedly revived this the scene uh-huh. and i'm looking at it as like we can we can build this together right right it's so a rising start, tide yeah 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 so i start talking to him and i'm telling him my ideas and he's just like cool well all right man well <laughs> have a good one good luck to you you know, and he starts telling me all the reasons why I'm not going to succeed. You know, he's and and I don't blame him, man. He was trying sure. to protect his his family, and that's what people like. He and I had a, a I don't I don't want to call it a feud, but we sure didn't like each other at first. Uh-huh. We really didn't. So this is '09. Uh, it was a feud. It I, we did not like each other. Okay? Yeah, rivalry. It was beef. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't and I don't SB blame nation him. beef. Because, We're gonna do a beef story I, I, on this. After I started having kids, and I, I'm now at a point where I have children, I see why he treated me the way he did, uh-huh. and I don't blame him for it. And you know, that's me. I, and I the don't dark wanna, side guy. So yeah, you and the dark side I don't guy. Fuck around with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cool guy. Laser so, tag. So we're yeah. like, so we, you know, it, it is what it is. I understand he was trying to protect his family. It yeah. wasn't his business, and that's what people. Local music to him was his family. For me, it was a business, yeah. right? Mm. It was it, for me, it was a business. And it was a way that I could I could return the favor that Ted did to me, that I could, and and that's what Ron was doing as well. But I wanted to give back. I wanted to provide them with a, a really cool place, and. But but with Ron, it was more than that, right? It was a family. At the end of the day, it hurt to walk away from the basement, but it it like almost emotionally destroyed Ron to close the doors of Mojo's. Yeah, it was really hard. It was different. It that was, was it was that. different so between me and him. So why did it close? Mojo's or the basement? Both. Mojo's. They raised the rent. The oh, wait, the so rent which place? Which closed first? Basement. Basement. Yeah. basement did. So so in, in, in 2009, I opened in the fall. It's like October 2009. We have our first show there. We have this big grand opening. I book like eight bands. We get like 300 people come through the doors that night. I open it up. It's free. People come in and check this out. I spared no expense on the sound system. You know, I because I, that was always kind of an issue with Mojo's, if I'm being perfectly honest. It was a great space. It had a lot going for it. The stage was amazing. The problem was the sound. Well. Wow. And I mean, it was small. It wasn't it was small. that great. So space. the basement was about three times as big as Mojo's, yeah, right, right. space wise. And and I and so I wanted to have a. I, I said, look, and that was one of the things I told the guy that, I, that owned the building. I said, we're going to have a quality sound, right? Uh-huh. The, the bands are going to come in here and they're going to feel like they're playing Madison Square Garden because we've got good sound. We've got you know, Ron at the time didn't have any monitors, so you couldn't hear yourself playing yeah, back. And and so we had three monitors up in the front, one in the drums. We had four monitors total. We had like good double stack speakers. We had you know, we wanted it to sound good. And I had the, the highest quality microphones because if a, if a band came in there, my my feeling was that people were like, look, who's your who's your clientele? And the way I ran my business was that the 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 people paying five dollars to come and see a show were not my clients. My clients were the bands. And if I could keep the bands coming back, they would bring their fans, right? right? So I was I was all about client management. So I had this system where I would write down I had I would assign someone, one of my staff, to every band, and they would go around and follow them around and ask them questions and fangirl out really hard about them. And at the end of the night, they would present to me information about every single band, stuff they gathered, 
right? So two months later when this band comes in, I'm asking them, hey, man, how's Michelle doing? Your girlfriend? Oh, shoot, you guys broke up. I'm sorry to hear that, man. But it was like little things like, oh, man, I remember last time we were talking about- There was this girl your- that was asking about me, and we ended up hooking up, so- <laughs> <laughs> So, we, you know, there was all this stuff like like- I would take all that information and then they would be like, oh my gosh, this guy who owns this venue like knows all this personal stuff about me. Like we were all about making them feel like rock stars. I figured out what they loved, what mu- you know, what, 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 what uh, food they liked and I would have some of that down waiting for them. You know, they would come in and, and these bands would be like, oh my gosh. So they would work twice as hard to fill the room and I would go out and do marketing and promotions and try to get big shows there. So, so when we started, we were averaging kind of the same as Mojo's, right? We were averaging... F- 40, 50 people on a weekend, okay? This is 09. This is 09, right? And that was not good for me, okay? Because my break-even was like 100 a night, okay? If I was doing shows on Friday and Saturday, so 50 wasn't cutting it, and I'm starting to stress, right? And and that's when when I'm, like I said earlier, when you're backed up into a corner and backed up against a wall, that's when innovation really comes out. And so I remember it was like January, and, and I'm like stressing out, right? And something, I don't know what happened, but I started thinking about like I was thinking to myself about like what what do I really love like what like like I, I was thinking my birthday's coming up and I'm thinking man you know what like I'm so excited for March you know if I can just make it through January and February it's lean I'm losing money in this business if I can just make it to March everything's gonna be okay and I started thinking you know my birthday's in March March Madness you know I love watching that was bad. I was watching a lot of college basketball back then so I thought if I can just make it there and then it hit me I was like you know what. A battle of the bands, March Madness style, a tournament bracket style of twenty-seven bands, three a night facing off, and then those the winner of that three moves on to the next round, and then the winner of that moves on to the next round, and we we set up a bracket and we do this battle of the bands. But what we do is we require the bands to sell tickets, and part of your score depends on how many tickets you sell. And it just hit me like a, and I was like, this is brilliant, this is a genius <laughs> idea. And so I go in and I, I tell my, my guys, I'm like, hey, I got this idea. And they're like, that's great. So I start advertising for this, call it Tournament of Champions, right? This Tournament of Champions. We say, we're going to do this amazing big thing, right? We're going to do something huge. Now, all the while, Ron and I still hate each other. Right? <laughs> we st- like, like we would, still like, and like we would book bands and they'd be like, hey, man, we're playing a show next week at Mojo's. You should come check us out. And we would go and we would pay money and I would take my staff with and we would watch shows. And Ron, like, Never asked me not to come, but it would. The message was sent pretty clear to me, um, that that we weren't welcome there, right? Like he had his security guard come and tell me you're you're not welcome here. Like Ron was always like whatever, but but his security guard was like you got to go. And I'm like, look, man, I just want to support my friends. Like I'm paid my money, I can be. He's like, I'll give you your money back. I said it's not about the money. I just I want us to be friends, right? So. Anyway, so this is now 2010. I come up with this Tournament of Champions idea. I start advertising like crazy. I get all these bands excited about it. We're starting to get bands that can bring bring kids in. And so when I start telling them, part of your score is ticket sales, right? Part of it's like I'm going to have judges from other bands, you know, and you're going to – and whoever wins. So so we start setting this up. We set it up the first week of March. So the first weekend, we've got – you know, we did 27 bands. So you got to go nine nights. So now I'm sitting there going, all right, nine nights times three bands a night. So it took us like, you know – Four weeks, the whole month of March, to get through the first round. And all of a sudden, bands, we're, we're teaching them how to market themselves. We're teaching them how to promote. We're teaching them how to get in with people and sell tickets. So we're doing all these innovative things and helping these bands. We start this this thing where once a month, we would have a class 
right? For any bands, it was a free class that you could come in and learn things. So if you wanted to learn about like social media marketing, we had a, a guy who would come in and talk to bands about how to market your band on social media. You wanted to learn how to sell tickets better. We offered a class, a free class. You'd come in and we would teach you how to go out and sell tickets. You wanted to learn how to, you know, how to write music. We had, you know, so we had these, these content people. marketing. Exactly. exactly what you did. <laughs> so we would get in there and every month we would have these, these things. And so kids started doing more and more. So now all of a sudden the shows went from having 50 people to having a hundred people to having 120 people. Right. And it just starts picking up. And all of a sudden now we get to this tipping point, this critical mass where people are in the room and they look around. And before when there's 30 people in a room that can fit 200, they're going, yeah, it's all right. Right. But now all of a sudden you have 150 people in a room that could fit 200 and they go, this is where we have to be every weekend. Yeah. This is the happening place. We print out this poster up on the wall. We write all the band names on. We've got the bracket thing going. It's just working amazing, right? So we get all the way down. Okay, so the first round, we narrow it down from 27 down to down to, uh, to to nine. And then we have those nine go in April. And then in May, I plan this big event, right? And I start advertising it, and I invite everybody I know to come to what's called the Local Music Summit. Okay? I say, we're having a summit, we're having a presentation, we're going to do something called the Local Music Summit. And I said, we've got to get everybody on board here. I, I have someone who's very close to me and very close to Ron, go and invite Ron over to my, to my venue. We're having it on a Thursday night, and the grand, the, the grand finale of the Tournament of Champions is Saturday night. So I say, on Thursday night, we're going to do this, this Local Music Summit. And at that point, behind the scenes, I had been working on a website, Okay. And I had printed up stickers and I had printed up all this stuff for this website. Okay, so we get there and I unveil at this local music summit. It was May 15th, 2010. Okay. And, and I know this because it was around the time that Ron was running for office. Uh -huh. And I went and donated money to his campaign to try to buy him off to get him to come to my venue. Because <laughs> I said, look, I hear no, you're running. I, I went over to his venue and I said, look, I know we've had issues in the past, but I think you would be good at the state house and I, I want to support you and endorse you. Here's a hundred bucks for your campaign. You know, what can I do to help you? So I, I actually went and made some phone calls and tried to get people excited about electing Ron to the state house. So that all of a sudden we were like, okay, maybe there's more to this than that. We have this local music summit. I unveil this website, and I start telling people, look, as a local music scene, we need to work together. We've had mojos, and now we have the basement. We have two venues. There's enough to go around. And and really what was happening is shows at mojos started going from 15, 20 people a weekend to 30 to 40 a weekend, 40 to 50, right? So all of a sudden, just having another venue that's pushing bands to promote themselves and market more and not say, look, you want to play at my venue? That's fine. you got to bring 25 people. You want to headlight at a venue? you got to bring 80. You know, and all of a sudden, it becomes a badge of honor to be that top build build band in a local show. So we were we just created a, a, a hierarchy and a pecking order for these bands. There were bands that would headline every show because they would just bring in bodies, and there were other bands that wouldn't, and they would they would stay in that opening spot. And they're like, mm -hmm. "What can we do? We'll come to this class next next Wednesday night. We're going to talk about how you can take it to the next level." Meanwhile, there's a metal band that comes out called Fire in the Skies. Right? These guys come to my come to my place. And they were like, look, we've got an idea, right? They really helped put the basement on the map with the metal scene because they would, they, we would schedule on Saturdays. We would start music at 2 o'clock, and we would end at 11, and we would charge like 10 bucks, and you could come in and stay all day. We, would, we started selling you know, 300 tickets to this thing, 400 tickets. And the more tickets you sold to this show, the later in the night you got to play. Fire in the Skies would headline one of the greatest metal bands, southern metal bands I ever heard called Bro out of Salt Lake, B-R-E-A-E. 
E-A-U-X. Go check them out. They are sick. They would always play second to last. So those two would headline. If you sold a lot of tickets, you were playing right before them. So you're playing right before the headliner. We start selling 200, 300, 400. One night, we do like 500 tickets to this show, right? Our space can hold maybe 250. Like we've got like three, 400 people in this one room, and these shows were electric. All of a sudden, people are starting to get this buzz and this, oh, my gosh, it's going. So this is about March, April, right? By May, all of a sudden, we're, we're doing we're, – we're averaging about 150 people at a show, and now I'm making a profit. Things are going well. Um, and it, it just took off from there. So this local music summit, back to that. We, I'm sitting there and I unveil this website and it was called the Ogden Local Music Awareness Coalition. Okay. And I, and I enlisted everybody on, it was the Ogden LMAC, Ogden Local Music Awareness Coalition. I enlisted everybody there to be a member. And what I had done was I set up a website that, and it, this was kind of before, this was before, uh, um, Facebook was really a big thing, but I had, what it was, was it was a bulletin board. It, the background was a, the background was just like a pole on a street and, and it just was like a cork board on there oh. and you would, you would post, there was a place where you could post your band, right? And the show that's coming up and it didn't matter what venue it was at, whether it was at a bar at an all ages venue, no matter where it was and you could post it and it, and you would, and it would come up. Is it still live? Looks that way. No, it's not. Still lives. Is it still on there? Oh my gosh. What'd you say it was? OgdenLMAC.org? No events. Come on, Jason. What the freak? All right. So so here's the thing. Oh my gosh. Supporting local music. So we started. You had a mission statement, bro? Dude. Legit. I'm telling you right now. My goal was to take the Ogden local music we scene to the next local level. Okay, go to wearelocalmusic.com. See if that's still live. Because wearelocalmusic.com yeah, is where we would post shows, right? And so, so you what it's we were doing live. was what we were doing is we were promoting music at every venue, and it was ground zero was the basement, right? And so the basement, we were trying to get people to go to shows because we knew that if people would go to shows, everybody. Succeeded, as John said, rising tide floats all boats. That was our that was our motto, and that was our idea. I'm not going to click on that link. <laughs> yeah, I would probably go easy because I have not looked at any of this stuff for years. So anyway, so people start posting to this. People start taking an active interest. They're going out and promoting. I start booking some touring bands. What I would do with touring bands. This is back when CDs was cool. So we were looking for ways that we could be innovative and unique. If, a, if someone had never heard of a touring band, we would take their top two or three songs. We would burn them to a disc. We would then put a sticker on the back saying, this is the band. This is when they're playing at the basement. We would stamp the disc with a stamp with that band's name on it. We would go hand out hundreds of these at the mall. We'd go hand them out at, at like Hot Topic at these different stores. And we would just go hand them out to kids say, you should come to the basement. Check it out. This show is only you know, five bucks, eight bucks, whatever. So we, we had this massive guerrilla marketing campaign. By the time 2011 rolls around, right? So we, we do the, the Tournament of Champions again in 2011. We are averaging 250 people at a show. Averaging. Amazing. 250 people at a show. All because of what kicked off with the Ogden LMAC, the We Are Local Music. We Are Ogden, what was it? We Are Local Music.com or something like that. Yeah. And, and we have all of these things and people are going crazy well and not right? just that but i mean it's that investment that you put back in the bands it's those sure. seminars you're doing and well stuff. And, and what what we also said was like so then it started falling apart and the reason it started falling apart was because my motto and and it may have been flawed i mean i was young you know i was like i was in my late 20s i didn't know what was you know my philosophy was i'm gonna be better with a band's money than the band 
if I paid a band 40 bucks to come and play a show, right, that band would go and spend 30 of it at Beto's on the drive home, okay? They, they, they were not good with their money. So my philosophy was, if you come and bring a lot of kids to my show and we make some money, I will pay for stickers for you, right? I'll buy you stickers. I've got a connection with a print shop. I'll buy you some merch. I'll buy you some stickers, some shirts, whatever. You know, and so I would work with these bands, and and I would do, you know, these things with them and try to help them. And they, you know, it was, that was my flaw. I didn't pay bands to come and play, mm-hmm. right? Unless they were like a touring band and I worked out a deal. Because we started booking some pretty big touring bands and getting bands to come in. They're mostly metal. Like, Provo was was the 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 spot for like indie music. Yeah, but Ogden, was, Valor, dude. Yeah. Ogden was where it was at for metal. So I started getting these big booking agents want, calling me and being like, hey, we wanted, we're hearing good things. And I would always, I would always pay a band what I promised to pay them, no matter if we made money or lost money. And that's why booking agents wanted to work with me. And I knew at the end, the books would balance out. If I lost 300 bucks this night, I might make a thousand bucks next week. So it's all, it's all going to balance out. So I, I started booking these bands and bringing in Victoria bands. We started getting a reputation, and then Ogden starts getting a reputation. I, st- I get a, a booking agent from uh, or a, a promoter from Salt Lake want to come down and use my venue, and I'd heard bad things about this promoter, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to work with you because I've got you know I'm going to protect my investment. So he gets pissed. He goes to Mojo, starts putting shows at Mojo's, and he starts poaching my artists, trying to get them to come and open for his shows. And he says, "Look, I'll let you open for this amazing band, but you got to sign something that says you won't play a show 30 days before." So now all of a sudden they oh. won't play my venue anymore. So things start falling apart, right? This promoter starts because I I pissed him off. He starts kind of pulling pulling away. My rent is about to go up and I'm like, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to stay here. So I go and move to a different location. We're down for three months and it just, it hurt us. Yeah. Right. Like it, it hurt us. And so in 2000, in summer of 2012 or the fall of 2012, I finally, we moved to a new place in 2011. We had some really amazing shows there. It opened the door for bigger shows, but it just, it was never the same. Yeah. It wasn't downtown. It was off. It was down on wall Avenue. It was like on 31st and wall. And it, it just never felt the same. And we never could get that vibe back. I, I, in desperation, I opened, I opened up to another promoter, let him come in. He screwed me over. I mean, I made, I was making some bad decisions, trying to chase the money that I was making in 2011. And I just started hemorrhaging money. And I thought, well, maybe if I put more money in, I'll get it back out. So I start dumping more money in. Right. Meanwhile, I just had my third kid. Like it, there's a lot going on and I am super stressed. And I remember in July, I, I, one day in, in like late July, um, I'm, I'm driving home and I just broke down. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's done. Like, this is something that I put my heart and soul into building this scene, building this venue. And all of a sudden kids that I was helping get their start, they now hate me because they're like, well, you know, people are telling them, well, you should be getting paid, uh-huh. you know, and they start calling me greedy. And so now these kids that I've put so much effort into, right. They're saying, oh, he's a bad guy. Cause he's, he's taken all of our money and they don't understand. They don't understand the money that it takes to do this. They don't understand that I literally lost 15 grand. I walked out of there. I lost $15,000 at the end there, right? Like they don't understand that. They don't understand the lease that I was paying, you know, three grand a month in a lease. And I had to break my lease early. So I got to pay a penalty, right? They don't understand all the stuff that I'm going through and what it costs to do that. And they're, they're squabbling over a hundred bucks a night. And I'm like, look, man, I'm trying to keep the doors open. And they're now turning other bands against me. This promoter now starts threatening me. You know, I'm getting threats against me. And and it, it just all kind of at the same time in 2012, I was just like, I'm done. I got to do it. And I remember going over to Ron. And at this point, we had become good friends. 
okay, over time because, you know, we just – we started – and I went over to Ron. I said, I need to talk to you. And I remember telling Ron, I think I'm done. I think I'm out. I, I, I'm, I've lost all this money. I can't keep chasing it. I, I got to be done. And we talked for like three hours that night and I was just super down and like I you know I was crying I was like because this is this is my child that I'm losing you know something I put so much effort into and and uh it, it he he was there for me and he helped me and he's like look why don't you why don't you do a show a month at my place you know just stay in it and have it and so he was gracious enough to do that and what I did was I said look I want to upgrade your sound system Ron so I gave him some of my sound system in exchange for so I like sold it off for parts gutted it but I gave him some of my best sound equipment in exchange for the next couple of years let me stay in the scene and book shows here and so he let me do that for a couple of years and I would I would book the so he'd you know have his shows that were doing 40 or 50 kids and then I'd do mine we'd bring in 150 200 kids you know and I he'd say you can keep all the money that night to try to make back some of that money that you lost and you know in exchange for selling me the sound system and so um, it, it, it ended really, it was bittersweet. It was good to get some time back to myself and it was a lot of stress. It was a lot of work and I put a lot into it. And it was the equivalent of working two full-time jobs, you know, and I, and I loved every minute of it, but I mean, it was, it, 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 it hurt to walk away from it, but it was also kind of nice. So in 2014, I stopped doing shows there. Ron then tells me, Hey, they're jacking up my rent. And he closed the doors in 2015 and that he called me and said, I need to talk to you. And I went over there and we talked for about three hours and he said, this is what's happening. And I'm, and we cried together because we had great memories again. And he was a great friend of mine. And, you know, it was amazing that, that we went from being bitter enemies and this hatred. And now we're like so close that, that when he shuts it down, I'm the first one he calls cause he knows I've been there. You know, obviously I was, it was open for three years. Don't get me wrong. Ron's was 10 years. He had a lot more emotionally invested in that than I did. And so it was really hard for me. It was hard for him. It, it, it broke him. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was bad, and and he had to leave. I mean, he yeah. left, he left yeah, Ogden for a while. Yeah, he went to Vegas. He he had to leave because it was just so hard. It was so hard for him, and 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 unfortunately, that that crushed the scene. I mean that that closing Mojo's closing the basement <clears throat> took it from we had great shows, big shows, amazing shows, and and then it it started slipping again when there was only one venue. When there was two, it yeah. was really pushing it forward. Yeah, because Ron was limited. I mean, after a while, Ron the fire, absolutely fire came in and so, said, you you can only fit 120 people. It was my it. show that I booked there and put there after I closed yeah. that the fire department came and shut it down. And we had a touring band there that actually went out and played an acoustic show in the back alley ah, for all the fans. Back alley school. Cool. It was amazing, but it was the most stressful time. Like, I oh, still yeah. had to pay. I had to pay a penalty because it wasn't up to – like, it was – it was bad, but it was my show that that happened because some other guy tried to open an all his venue and didn't know what he was doing. And he, like, his idea was instead of my approach of a rising tide floats all boats, this guy was like, if I can get Mojo shut down, then I'll be the only game in town. Oh, so this turd burglar freaking goes out and, and starts calling the cops on us and the fire department. Out. And so during a show when we sold, like, 200 tickets, they come in and we're like, you got to shut it down. They shut the show down. And we're like, nah. Well, and that's so because I knew bands at that time when you sort of changed that incentive structure. Yeah. And I remember them talking about like, you know, I can go here and well, I can go to Mojo's and get paid money or else I can go to the basement and get kind of paid in merch or whatever. And they did kind of feel like they were getting ripped off. And it was that it was almost that competition between you guys that helped kill it in a way. You know what I mean? It was like it was like 
having Ron's structure is what made people not trust your structure. You know what I well, mean? Well, yes, to a degree, but I also think that having, like, kids would, would come to my venue, and they'd play in front of 200 people, right? And then they'd go to Ron's, they'd, be, they'd play in front of 30. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, you know, maybe the basement's not so bad. But I, I really was, I mean, I was vilified, and I understood that. Like, I understand the first person through the wall is always going to be bloodied and bashed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I knew, and, and, and I loved these kids, and I wanted them to be, but look, they were... They were attacking me, and they were they were not saying nice things about me. Some of these bands that I really helped out, you know, like Jason said, the basement and Mojo's were the proving ground. And then when you turned twenty one, you could go play the you know bigger venues. And, and if you had a big enough scene, <laughs> these guys right here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if you had a big enough following, you could you could, even some bands even toured you know around the western yeah, U.S. and you would get paid. You go play at a bar now because they're like we weren't selling alcohol or any drinks. We were selling the experience, right? Yeah. So so we weren't selling coffee. We weren't selling drinks. We weren't selling concessions. We were selling a concert. You came Damn, to a concert and you y'all should have been selling concessions. <laughs> we tried the the uh, we didn't make enough money. Like it, it was such a hassle. To pay someone and then to clean up all the messes and stuff, so we were just like, "No, we're done." Yeah. So we 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 focused on some people. Some businesses have like a, a shotgun approach where they're like, "We're going to do as much as we can and try to make money." Ours was more of a, a, a sniper rifle. We were going to do one thing and do it perfect. Mm. Yeah, and that's what we did. So, so how do you fix this? How do you bring well, it back? And how do you be successful? Look at these guys. Like I've been spending this whole time <laughs> wondering. You were talking about Ted. Is it Ted from the junction? Ted started at the junction. Yeah. Yeah. Ted says. Ogden can't handle it because we basically can't bring the people up from Salt Lake, and well, the people from Ogden aren't. I mean, up I enough. think I think I proved him wrong. Yeah, I think personally. so too. I think I think with the success, when when you're looking at a venue in Ogden that was averaging in 2011 250 people. Keep in mind the recession's on, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. People think about poor. the time between 2009 and 2012. I mean, ultimately the recession caught up to me. There was too many too many things going on in town. It, my rent was too high, but. In 2011, we, we were success. We were succeeding, right? And so we right. proved him wrong. So I mean, you did. I can't say you didn't, but at the same time, it's like it can happen if somebody puts all this effort into training those people into somehow working together to kind of build it up. It's like, yeah, it's possible, but with the amount of works it takes, is it is it feasible? Is it the kind of thing that's ever going to be sustainable, or is it always going to be? One guy comes in and does it for a few years, then somebody else comes and picks up the torch. I I think that's. I think it can be sustainable because, like, what it, what Jason just explained to you all here is that like there was an ecosystem. There, there was. was there was an ecosystem where this. But could he happen. had to build it. Yeah, of course you have to build an ecosystem. Like it, it doesn't just happen by itself. Like, but once it's built, it will run. The problem that Jason ran into was that you know rents going up, you know yeah. things like that, you know. And, and the same thing happened to Mojo's, right? Like Ron had to get out of there because he wasn't able to cover the rent anymore. The, well, the guy tripled his rent. And honestly, yeah. moving out of downtown had a big negative effect on there. And nobody yeah, is did. getting a music venue downtown no. these days. No. Uh, is yeah. It, is it okay? Because so, like the one place I had hope for maybe there being a downtown venue is where like UTOG is. You know what? And, and now that ain't gonna happen. Somebody should take those old rundown buildings like Twenty uh, Fourth and Wall. Or, you know, there's like, there's buildings that have been empty for 20 years or more. Or 30 more, years. like my entire life. So, yeah. Yeah. so here's the, so, okay. So we'll, we'll get into logistics yeah, here like now because, because you start, even... you start talking about, you start talking about code enforcement uh-huh. and then and that like gets expensive, buildings. right? So code enforcement and, and having to build, like do the remodeling to get it to a 
place where you can qualify to get that many people in there, right? So you've got like international building codes and, and you know, all these things that have to be done to determine what your occupancy is and then what and then how much money it's going to take to get it to there. Uh, you've also got zoning issues with there are some zones that just don't allow it. There's some. So like when I moved from downtown on to where it was a permitted zone, I had to go to the planning commission and get a conditional use for it in, in when I was on Wall Avenue. Right. So I was, I had, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of political things that, that are yeah. working as well. So to answer the question, how do you, how do you get it back? Because right now we're in the same situation we were in from 2003 to 2005. Yeah. Right? Okay. There's nothing. Now here's interest. Here's something that's interesting. But it's about been a it, longer though. drought. Yeah. It's been a longer drought, but there's years. been, but there's been people that have been doing, you remember when I was running those illicit shows out of the basement? Mm hmm. There's been people that have been keeping it alive mm. and keeping it on life support, right? Like I was doing back in 03 to 05 before Ron opened up the Mojos. There's been people that have been doing that. They've been people doing house shows, been people doing shows at bars with with bands that could potentially rebuild a scene. Mm -hmm. There are people behind the scenes that are doing what's necessary to get it uh, to where I think it could it could mm -hmm. survive. And there's a group of them right now that are putting a venue together. That I'm, I've been watching anxiously, because I think they're onto something, and I think, and these are people who came from the Mojo scene, who understood. They're people who came to the basement and played at the basement. These are people who have seen what what worked at Mojo's, and they want to do it right. And so you're going to see here in the next few months, you're going to see a venue open up called the Co-op. So keep an eye out for that. The Co-op will open, and it will, it will, I, I'm. I have confidence that these people are going to be successful in what they're doing. Okay. Co-op? Yeah. Oh, so, the co-op live music venue. So oh, they're going this is going to be th they've already they've already uh they did a Kickstarter, they raised over $5,000 to buy some sound equipment. Um I I think these guys are onto something. And I think they're going to do something special and I think they're going to basically revive the the old Mojo's feel. My personal feeling is for every, in order to be as successful as possible for every Mojo's, you have to have a basement. Okay. If, if Mojo's really started to succeed and have and do really well and get a lot of shows when there was someone there that was pushing the bands, right? And look, if I had to play the villain, I'm happy to play it. If I had to be the guy that they didn't trust and they didn't like, I, that sacrifice, I'll fall on that sword to build the scene any day. Okay, because for every band that didn't trust me, there's bands that loved working with me and were proud to be a part of that scene. Okay, I, I think about that first battle of the bands we had, that first tournament of champions when we had a band called Matt Ben Jackson, yeah, I know Matt who ben changed Jackson. their their name to the Old World. The old those world, guys yeah. were phenomenal. They won the first one. Yeah, those guys and were what phenomenal. I did, what I did with that first one, and what I did with the second one, is had any money that is brought in that night, we're going to split it among the four bands that are playing in that finals. All four bands are going to go home with something. Okay, there was Matt Ben Jackson. They took first place. They were good. We, we sold over 500 tickets. We split $2,500 between all the bands that night. They walked home with $1,500 in their pocket. Nice. Okay, local bands at the time, you got to think, if you go, I was paying touring bands $500 to $1,000. This local band that won this tournament, this, this battle of the bands, made $1,500 in one night. Like so, when people say, "Oh, you don't pay the," it's like, dude, like if they're good enough, they're getting paid. Fire in the skies. When they would help me set up these big shows, they were making thousands of dollars off of these shows, right? Because they would promote them and they would get out, and they were the big headliner. And the 
bands were getting paid. It was those little bands that were only bringing 30 to 40 kids that were like, we should get paid too. It's like, you need to work harder, right? If you're bringing in 100 people, yeah, I'll kick you 100 bucks. That's great. But when we're charging $5 at the door and I got, I got $4,000 a month in overhead, I can't pay you for bringing 40 kids, right? Go throw a house show, charge five bucks and keep it all. Go rent, a, go rent a sound system, <laughs> right? Go rent a sound system and, and do it do it yourself. Like, I got bills to pay, and I'm sorry. So um, that, there was, like, Matt Ben Jackson that night, um, a band called Sleep Radio that was amazing. They were, like, gym class heroes kind of style. You had uh, you had a band called Sweat Band and a band called Adalast, and every one of them walked home with a couple hundred bucks. Like, not not a bad take for for one night for Battle of the Bands. And so, yeah. so we had, and so those bands were then now the leaders of the scene and they were headlining shows and bands were playing with them. And so we were, I mean, we, we built it. Well, I think the co-op is going to, is going to open the door for someone else to come through and try to take it to that next level again. And I, can we get it back to there? I don't know. I hope so. But I think, I, I think, think music's could. changed. I, I think, I think people have changed, but I also think that they're with, we talked earlier about millennials and generation Z where they need to take up arms and fight they also need to express themselves creatively. And with all the funding cuts in schools to art and, and creative programs, things like the co-op, mojos, the basement, the junction, kids turn to that and they need it. And they'll always need it. And the more population growth we have in this valley and in this county, I think you're going to see success come in the local music scene for these high school, junior high and high school age kids. They need a place to go. Huh. So I think we'll see, I think we'll see it go. Well, thank you for that, Jason. You're very welcome. Yeah, that's a great job. I I hear the whole business owner thing, uh, treating people like family. Like I I get that. I I get a lot of that at Laser Zone. <laughs> that you guys. So when are you gonna go make friends with the dart side guy? No. <laughs> that guy can. Hey man. I think I, he's I, a hustler though. I'll that's give what I said about like it too. Four birthdays at the dark side. I don't think they've had one at Laser Zone yet. Yeah, thanks for that. Shane. Oh, that's why we're going out of business. Oh, we're talking dick. about dark side. I love that place. <laughs> oh, it's dark side. <laughs> Speaking of which, I just moved this right into pinkies up and thumbs down. Pinkies up to Laser Zone, bitch. <laughs> pinkies up, thumbs down. You got one, John. Dude, Jonathan I don't Miles. Think I do. No. No, I'm pretty uh, even keeled this week. Pretty Sorry. Solid week. Really? Yeah, man. So palm, palms flat. <laughs> <laughs> palm Terry. <laughs> it's palm Terry this week. Jason, I'm gonna let Kobe do his okay. first, and then you can kind of understand what's going on here. Okay. Yeah. So pinkies up, thumbs down. Mine is uh, pinkies up this week. So uh, for everybody running for city council or mayor in their oh. city, filing is this week. Uh, Oh, Thank no. You. Yeah. I so, forgot about that. So, yeah. So, if you want to run for the city council, you want to run for, you know, the mayoral race in your city, go down and file this on Monday. It opens. So How much does it that cost to me. run a campaign? Uh, it depends on which campaign you run. How much did I spend? Yeah. he ran Not enough. State, state House. Not 46%, enough. <laughs> man. Why don't you ask the guy that got 54%? What about, <laughs> no, like a part of one, though? Well, yeah, he spent like double. So, I, uh, non partisan. So, like, right? I mean, like that. What, my, like dad, my dad ran for mayor. A few hundred dollars? No. No, man. Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. Two thousand. I think Never you could run it uh, depending Shane, on the city. Out. Depending on the city, <laughs> I think you could run a decent campaign for yeah. a couple thousand bucks. Say Clinton. Two thousand bucks. Yeah, like a major city like Ogden, you're gonna pay, right? Oh yeah. You want you want to be the Ogden city mayor? Well, and you're it really depends on how many candidates. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah, or, what if somebody goes uncontested? 
They're not spending shit. Yeah, yeah, they're not doing That's anything. That's my dad. He's ran uncontested for the mayor of Washington Terrace for years. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, just kind of, if you're interested. Oh, can oh, we man. see that? Um, South Ogden, we could use some help. We want to support somebody over there. Um, Roy, we want to support someone else. We've got somebody that we want to support already, but. Who is it? Can I say? It depends. I don't know if they've no. officially oh, announced. You don't, oh, oh, you, this I'd is like wait. insider information. Kind of, yeah. Uh, oh, dang. Uh, obviously, Ogden City is a place where we'll have some people we support. Um, yeah, they've announced, like Luis has announced. Yeah. Luis um, North Ogden City, we've got someone. North Ogden, there's sure somebody we're going to be supporting. Wait, can I see? Can't you look but, this stuff uh, up and see dude, who's running? That really, yeah. And, yeah. well, once the filing is over. Filing, 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 starts, filing starts on So Monday. can you file and then just be like, you know what? I really don't want to. Sure. But yeah, there's you, a filing nobody's going to make you do anything. Yeah, I mean. Man. How much is the filing fee? It depends, depends on, on the city. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but that really reminded me of my thumbs down. So that's, it's quick. That's my I'm so tired of hearing from other Democrats about the Salt Lake City mayor race. I don't live in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I get I emails all the time. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's like 10 different Democrats running in that race. And so all kinds of people are involved. And you know what? If we don't live in Salt Lake, we don't care. Leave us alone. Jenny Wilson did a great job. At, at least that's Salt Lake though. County. Yeah. 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 Oh, one another city I was going to say, uh, West Haven. We've got somebody running out in West Haven, oh, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Good call. Yep. What? In West Haven? For yep. real? Yeah, for city council. Yep. Oh, and That's Kaysville. Cool. You're not in Kaysville. Yeah, yeah. But I got a buddy running for Kaysville City Council. Stro to care. Yeah, Stro's a good guy. Stro is nice. Good. Shane? Pinky's up, thumbs down. No, I'm good this week. You're good this week. So wow. that's kind of how it works. What do you pinkies up? So can I can thumbs I thumbs down. down Golden State Warriors? Yeah, for yeah. winning tonight. Yeah, they won. Even they did the series, win. They yeah. ended it up. Spoiler. One hundred nine, one hundred four. Yeah, no man. kidding. No, this, this, this podcast <laughs> is going to come out in two days. <laughs> not, I just, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to uh, thumbs down Golden State Warriors making it to the finals every single year. I'm, I'm over it. Dynasty, man. I'm over it. I'm. Yeah, let's record next week during Game Five. Weren't they really bad <laughs> right. until they got that racist owner? Or, I mean, until they got really vocally racist, and then they got good. No, that was the Clippers. That was the Clips. Uh, that was the Clippers. Try, try. You again. were close. That was same the, state. It was same the state, wrong. right? Same, same state. state. Thank That's you. Correct. Good enough. Pretty. We could do close, a whole actually. basketball yeah. segment. And it's like really a shitty California about. team. I mean, yeah. I'm in the same ballpark. Real. I mean, it's even in the same conference. So well done. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we'll take it. Good. That was the same. Same, same division. Are really good. Same division. Yeah, you know who's not? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr's he can a great guy. eat a dick. Steve Kerr's one of us. He blew up. No, I don't care what Steve he Kerr, is. He's, I don't care what affiliation Trump. he has. He's one no, of what? He can oh. eat. No. Yeah, he's anti-Trump. He, screw that he guy. He has no problem to speak out against Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't. I, I respect that. I, I don't care. Uh, I still. I, he blew I, up the Phoenix Suns. He blew up the 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 run and gun Suns and ruined all y'all's experience in basketball. Just so you know. It, well, I was going to say, I do I do have a little bit of bitterness because Steve Kerr was on those Bulls teams to beat the Jazz in the right. 90s. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he he the, was a player then. And, oh, you're so, a Lakers fan, so you bit. don't even care. He's a damn good man. Yeah, but I got I don't have I don't have. Says the guy that, that stands up for rapist Kobe, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go there. Oh, there's my thumbs down right there. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> oh, back up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sure All right, so we're moving on now. years old Moving on. <laughs> Do you want to go into details on that? Look at this guy. He's going to get all that. Hey, look. We'll just go into how big was the ring that he bought his wife? Back the fuck up. He fucked another woman. Yeah, he did. Did he rape one? Uh, No. Did he? Yes. Who knows? (laughs) I just wanted to get Shane riled up. I just wanted to get Shane riled up. Were you eight years old when this story came out? No, we weren't old enough. 
Right? When did, How, the, when did, the, when did the story hit? Somebody? I don't remember. Stop it was like 2000. I'll tell you the facts. It was like 2002. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, you can look him up before you start spreading bullshit. <laughs> I want that to be our first shirt. That's Stop good. recording. I'll tell you the facts. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, I, I can get behind that t-shirt, dude. That's a good one. I'll get behind that so, t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we'll kind of go off of that. <laughs> Local events. Oh, yeah. Things that are going the on. dumbest fucking thing the UDP. on this yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad Shane's awake. Yeah. UDP chair debate. Oh, okay. We're gonna yeah, go oh, to the that's events. happening. Yeah, Utah you want- Democratic Party chair. What uh, chair debate? Are we not talking about that? Hang on. Yeah, no, we are. I just need to see him. Oh, okay. So we can get. Well, the- it's June sixth. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you don't got to click on it. No, it, it, it no show, and then it'll show. There you go. Okay. I had to click on it. You didn't need to. <laughs> the information is there. It's all well, in the rundown, dude. Why did you dude. start reading it? In, because Dan was I was reading it, reading it yeah. and yeah, then Dan, you stopped talking. Yeah, we're you were good. like, oh, no, no, stop, stop. We're very good at so that. So the Utah Democratic Party chairs debate Salt Lake City Library from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Yeah, it's the downtown library that's uh, four south twinities. This is on Thursday, June 6th. Are we sending somebody from GC, JC, one of our JC peeps? I got to work. A, I'm a delegate. I'm I should del- go. I've already decided who I'm going. You know, for that was one thing I was going to say here is like we we should do a thing. I think we're going to be back in town for the state convention in June, well, this month now. Yeah, it's the twenty second. Yeah, and so uh, we should do like a JCP thing where all of us become delegates and go down to the state convention in Park City that we day. We should all become delegates. Yeah, I'm sure I'm Dan, you could be get a delegate spot in Davis. Jason's a delegate. Yeah, Jason, Cole I'm a delegate. Shane. Yeah, Shane, I'm sure you can get a delegate spot. Plus, you, you, all Shane's a precinct captain now. Listeners, there's spots for you. Are you serious? Yeah. Dang. Look dude, at this dude, guy. Hey, I want yeah. you to know it's his money. Hey, his follow up is. on last week. Remember, John, remember I told you that I was going to go do the stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did the stuff. Had a meeting with a guy on Saturday. First guy, he's a Democrat. Super excited. Wants to be engaged. Wants to volunteer. Nice. And we've got many more to come. So, North Ogden 6 is getting organized. That a boy. I was just wondering how we become delegates. Uh, Friday, June seventh. So the very next day, alcohol alleged. Seven p.m. to eight p.m. What is this? This is uh not, not alcohol. Read the line above it. This is uh hold so, on. So Stewart Mark Library Special page. Collections Are we presents alcohol at alleged. <laughs> Infamous Ogden. You could on Infamous the menu. Ogden. Yeah, sorry. So Blame it on the alcohol. So what it is is uh, Sarah Singh, who is the director of Special Collections at the Stewart Library at Weber State. She's a local historian, knows a lot, and uh, we we started this series um, when I still worked at the university, where uh, she would go up on the roof of alleged and just talk about uh, some local history, some aspect of local history. And so uh, she'll be starting up again. She did one last month. She'll be, last one was more about, you know, Spike 150 and that kind of stuff. But now we're get, getting back to more of the, the local history kind of stuff. Um, it'll be at 7 o'clock at Alleged on Friday. And I don't think there's a cover. I think you just get in and then you just go upstairs. There's a bar on the roof you can buy a drink. And she'll start talking about 7 o'clock. Yeah, buddy. Yep. That's a nice little place. It's it's nice. Got. Yeah, usually That's about a hundred people show up. They should do a band thing up at the top of the up the roof of that. They do. That'd be kind of cool. Do they? Yeah, do they? Yeah. Be fun. Yeah. That'd be awesome to go to. It'd probably be too loud for me though. <laughs> uh, so the Ogden Arts Old. Festival is also coming up at Amphitheater, uh, June eighth through the 9th, twelve p.m. to ten p.m. Yeah, and lots of lots of good fun. Uh, Fun stuff here. This is nurture the creative mind, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, Amir Jackson has has head, headed up the uh, Ogden Arts Festival for, for the past few years now. Does a really great job. You know, I think He's his re- kids go to St. Joe's. Sorry, yeah, he go just ahead. has one son. Does he? 
Yeah. And he goes to St. Joe's? But I don't know if he goes to St. Joe's. He's pretty young. But, um, but Ognard Cecil's really expanded, and they messaged us this week, uh, the Young Democrats, asking for volunteers. So if you can volunteer this weekend, please go and help them out. They really could use some help. Uh, they've expanded the hours this this year. It's now it's from noon to ten p.m. I think last year it only went till like six or seven. Who do we contact if you want to get involved? So you can go to their um, Instagram account. It has their it has the volunteer link there, or you can go to the main uh, website, Ogden Arts Festival. Uh, we'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Um, the Young Democrats are trying to get a group of folks together so that uh, we can all go and volunteer down there on Saturday. Looks like maybe in the morning. So nice. message us. That contact you. Are we yeah, having yeah. some JC peeps there? Yeah, that'd be nice um, to come and I help like the young Democrats. That. Yeah, volunteer JC peeps. Yeah, JC peeps. Uh, so either just um, DM us on Facebook or Instagram, or slide, you, slide into our DMs. Yeah, or you can tweet us on on Twitter, any of those places, and let us know that you want to do the stuff, and we'll go down and volunteer on Saturday. Help them out. <laughs> Sunday, 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 Sunday. Yeah, come drink with me Sunday, June 9th, Yeah, we're getting drunk at John Miles' house. No, just kidding, not, not John house. Miles' house. Brewies, it's like my house. After party at John Miles' house. <laughs> yeah, drinking liberally. <laughs> drinking on, liberally. On yeah, drinking liberally every second Sunday, six thirty at Brewies. And then we Uber to the studio. That's right. And then. If you if you impress show. us, yeah, then so you yeah, can come watch this podcast oh after. I totally forgot that's a Sunday. We're gonna be doing the show right after. We should just oh, yeah. do the show from Brewies. Well, you yeah. want you want to pack we all the equipment that. up? No, yeah. that's gonna become a tradition one of these days. But anyways, <laughs> come down. It's no big deal. It's not like we're doing anything. We're just drinking and uh, being liberal. So come hang out. Let's talk politics. Talk politics. Uh, Pod Save America tickets. Thursday, July eighteenth. That's not in the show notes, but I'm just saying. Are we going as a group? I can't go. No. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be in Indianapolis. Sons of bitches. I think those guys rip us off. I Young don't like Democrats it. of America. <laughs> those guys rip us off. Yeah. No. Hot Save America. Hot <laughs> Save America, Shane. What's the date again? July 18th, 8 p.m. Go with Dan, dude. Let's go. Let's do yeah. this. I'm gonna be in Las God Vegas damn. and then Irvine, California that week. You see Irvine. Go Anteaters. What the hell? You know what? You don't watch college baseball? Come I don't on. know what's going we're, on in We're your just going to like, yeah, Whatever. seriously, that those are some random ass teams, man. <laughs> and like I mean, I love sports, but. <laughs> college baseball, man. But yeah, uh, if, you have, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, if you got any show uh, comments, questions, um, something you'd like to see us tackle or get on the show, uh, you can contact us at uh, junctioncitypodcast at gmail. Um, like share facebook uh stalk us whatever you want to do five there stars on apple Podcasts. yeah nice. we're on twitter insta and yeah download the app Sla- not yeah slide. download hit, the hit, junction hit, city stick, podcast stick, app stick, which we stick, don't have stitcher if you want to hear anything less podcast. than five stars if you're driving a car while you're listening to this, drive it off a fucking cliff. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the that's the lead like, into the end yeah, of the show. That's right the there. real like we say every <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like us, fucking kill yourself. <laughs> but then like we also say every week. All politics is local.